Presented by The Hockey Shop, source for sports, Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. We are getting it done with all kinds of uh, fun while recording this episode. I was wearing goalie mask for a little bit. Uh, Hutch is wearing some VR equipment. And Woody is doing his best Richard Gere impersonation with some big gray flow as he uh, lets his COVID hair just grow out. It's uh, unbelievable today. Picture that in your mind, ladies and gentlemen, as we uh, navigate through this uh, weird, silly season and into Halloween weekend. And today we are going to chat with two of the great math painters of a couple of different eras. Greg Harrison, who did the like the old original fiberglass right form-fitting mask right in your face, to Dave Gunnerson, who is one of the more popular mask painters uh, out there right now. Uh, it's Sweden and uh, is, is great at the social media. So we'll get some uh, Halloween content uh, from that side of things. We will also welcome in a new partner with Sense Arena's Bob Tativa. Uh, it's a VR simulator, and we'll explain exactly what that is all about. And the product is outstanding. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Oh, a gear segment will feature... From the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports Surrey, the Bauer Ultrasonic Chest Protector. And then we will wrap it up with a conversation with Antoine Bibo, who I knew as a junior and then came out and was drafted. Sixth round pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs was, uh, was really, really highly projected. Uh, ran into some injury trouble, but is a, is a really fun conversation. And uh, you'll, you'll have to stick around because just, just for gearheads out there and everybody that's so into their equipment. You're going to be shocked to hear what Antoine Bibo has to say about uh, about his equipment. It's it's a really cool, fresh take on uh, how we do things. But uh, let's welcome in the co-founders of Ingoal Radio, the podcast, Ingoal Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. Hello, Woody. You're looking very pretty womanish right there. Well, uh, the cashier recently at the Michael's Art Supply Store felt that my that long hair that I actually thought was blonde, she agreed with you and wondered if it was gray and wondered if I might be eligible for the 55 plus discount at her store. Really? So yeah, I wasn't real thrilled about that. It might be time to uh, get the salad trim just for that alone. I appreciate you piling on like that. Uh, listen, um, Antoine Bibo may have some say some things about his gear and knowledge of it that will shock gearheads. But he also gives us an exclusive scoop on the gear he will be wearing next year. Sent me some pictures, too, of the designs oh, he's really? working on. So a little gear switch for Antoine Bibo, And the gearheads will appreciate the fact that he shares it here first uh, on, on the In Goal Radio podcast. So we've got, some, we've got gear news coming. I like it. Well, my good buddy, John Garrett, uh, every now and then will just uh, send me a note and said, got a fresh dip. Got the hair colored. Uh, you just might have to get in touch with uh, with Cheech in the lower mainland of BC and uh, and go to uh, his location for a little bit of uh, coloring because you know just the all white all white equipment which Antoine Bibo wore at one point uh, just needs to be spiced up a little bit and that goes for your bucket too. Yeah, I know, but I'm a little worried that maybe all of that hair dye that Cheech is using, maybe the reason he also dips his pizza in ketchup, and I, I, I don't want that trend to be something that catches on with me. I think from a culinary aspect, we might have some trouble there. Hacha, I'm looking forward to hearing the conversation with uh, Greg Harrison and Dave Gunnerson and just how it relates to Halloween, because you come from uh, an era that's uh, similar to mine. We kind of cross over a little bit, and the intimidating mask art, I know, is something that... Uh, that you and I have an extreme fondness of. 
absolutely. Grew up on masks. It's uh, it's huge. I wore a fiberglass mask. I'm old enough that I could have gray hair just like Woody does, except I just have no hair. Um, but I, yeah, I, I actually wore a fiberglass mask when I first started playing, and I've, I've loved them ever since the day I started. Um, in fact, my first venture into entrepreneurship as a young goaltender was in grade six, selling sketches of NHL masks to my classmates for a dime a piece. Do you think anybody still has one of those beautiful works of art? I would be floored, but I still have the book that I traced them out of. Oh, oh, you tra- You didn't go freehand. Copyright infringement oh, gosh, started no. early with this one. Gosh, no. Wow. <laughs> uh, who do I don't you, have that skill. Who do you think had the most intimidating mask of all time? Oh, right out of left field. You said last week we were just going to talk about favorites. And so I'm sort of thinking in, in, in that respect. I mean, Harrison talks about a couple of the, uh, the most intimidating ones. In, in the interview, Bromley was one that comes to mind. I, I more, as we talked last week, thought about a favorite, which, you know, in a way is a little bit Halloween-y, and that's Ken Dryden's original pretzel mask, which is what he wore when I first fell in love with the game. And uh, I really love the old masks, even pre-paint, how they would sort of fit a personality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and for me, you know, I think of Rogi Vachon with that little smiling face that sort of, to me, epitomized uh you know who he was and how he played sawchuck's mask and, uh yeah well actually there's a scary one right yeah from, from pre from pre-paint so uh gilles Villemure, i don't know if you remember that yeah. one when he played for the rangers and uh, i remember that one very well um so so many of them and i just love the character that the individual mask makers brought to the art at the time I'm I'm a little surprised. Like the Graton mask uh, was so famous and continues to live uh, in infamy that more people didn't go down that path with that kind of realistic, just in your face. Wow, like you couldn't help but but skate by, or, or even if you're not a hockey fan, flip the pages and go, "What is that?" Has anybody ever asked how long that piece of art took to create? Too, we probably did in one of the interviews, but. Um, that was groundbreaking, not just in that, you know, in the type of, of paint job it was, as you're, you're talking about there, but I think just the, the time investment in that piece of art, like how many people could do that back then? No, it's uh, uh, just incredible stuff. We'll have to ask. Well, definitely, Hutch, that's a good call. I never did ask uh, when we talked yeah. to Greg this time, um, but I did read a story where Graton said it was, uh, Graton himself said it took his artist a week to do that, and I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. For me, you want scariest? Could be on Ingle. Could be on Ingle because we've got an old interview with Graton from from my old friend uh, Michel Godbout, who we've spoke about with Franz Jean on here. We've got so many interviews, we can't even keep track of them. Um, which is why you never delete the card touch. Um, the uh, the the one that I loved was uh, I didn't even honestly I didn't even know of this mask until Greg Harrison mentioned it as one of his you know the ones that people would associate with scary, and then I looked it up. Um, Warren Skurdinsky. Yes, I'm probably. I'm probably not even saying it right. That thing, no, you didn't. Ass. That skull mask that he had, like Bromley's, was the one that I always knew about. That one took it to another level, man. That was intimidation. And the other one, and it's kind of similarly themed. Uh, the bombers. Was it the Winnipeg or Manitoba bombers from Youngblood movie? Another Greg Harrison mask that he built for the movie. Another skull mask. Those things were tough. I loved it. Thunder Bay bombers. Thunder, there you go. That's uh, because I actually listened to the interview before we we got on to record this, and uh, and was googling up a storm like Doctor Google was saying, 
what is going on in Las Vegas right now with, with <laughs> hockey because uh, it, there's all kinds of searches going on. The Skordinsky one just had a just a, a tweak of lunacy to it. Like it was scary, but then there's the, like you could almost see a screw loose coming off the, the side with, with that paint job that just sent it into a, to another category. Really fascinating. Oh yeah, you if you see that mask, you got to figure if I cut through the crease, I'm eating I'm eating some plywood. I am eating a stick for sure. We'll get to our first conversation with Dave Gunnarsson and then I want to come back to your favorite fiberglass paint jobs and after we uh finish up uh with uh, Greg Harrison, I want to know your best uh combo paint job and uh gives you guys a couple of minutes to to think about it right now as the eyes pop out of Dave Hutchison's uh, head, but here is Dave Gunnarsson from Dave Art, and it talks about the connection, the links to Scary Mass, and how he even made himself part of the artwork. Uh, Dave Gunnarsson in conversation with Kevin Woodley. Tell me if I'm stretching here. The link between Halloween and scary masks and NHL painting, like NHL goalie masks. Is there a link there? Yes, uh, I think so. Absolutely. Very many goalies want scary stuff on the masks. And uh, of course, uh, you have a lot of uh, horror movies with uh, hockey masks. So it's a link for sure. It is, now, what about you personally? I know um, I was looking at your gallery and the Alex Lyon masks in particular. Like those are all scary movies on those masks. Is there is there a story there from from Alex that led you guys down that path for all his masks so far? Uh, it was uh, when I started to work with Alex. Uh, uh, it just popped popped up the idea to to build his masks on horror movies. So it was uh, just a, an idea that came up and then we continued to build on that. So, uh, and uh, myself, I, I'm a very, very big uh, horror movie guy. Uh, so it's very fun to paint them. And uh, uh, a funny thing is that on his first horror mask, if you saw that one with uh, uh, the clown, the It movie, from it, yep. Yeah, and uh, on that mask, I, I I wanted to paint a, a poster with a kid that was missing, just like as in the movie. And uh, first, my idea was to paint Alex himself as a missing kid, but he said that it's more fun to paint me, so I I painted myself on that mask as a missing kid. I didn't even realize that. Do a lot of people know that, or have is it just me that's missed that? Uh, I don't think so many people know that. Okay, I'm going to have to look at that again and take a closer look. Now, I know you're a huge movie buff. You have? Do you still have um, like a projector in the studio that where you watch movies sometimes while you're uh, while you're doing yes. it? Yeah, I, I I have a cinema studio here where where I sit, so I very often have a movie when I paint or when I sketch. Now. Is horror something you grew up watching, like and and that theme? Like, how did you come to goalie masks and that tie-in? Is there any sort of personal history with sort of the horror theme? You liking horror movies? We all know the Jason masks and things like that. Um, other than your painting, did it ever tie into your love for goalie masks and, and cinema? Do you ever blend those two? Yeah, I'm. 
I, I do love horror movies, but I also love all kind of movies. Uh, so uh, I also love action and thrillers and, you know, so I, I, it's, uh, it's not only horror for me. I remember talking to you once about Corey Hirsch's Psycho Mask. Yes. Um, and did that play a role in sort of from, from an inspiration or was that one you liked when you were younger as you yes. were getting started? Yes, I remember it very well. It was when I was painting. Uh, no, I was playing EA Sports like uh, 92 or 93 or 94, something like that. And then back then they had a gallery with hockey masks in the game. And then I saw this uh, uh, psycho mask and I really, really loved it. So that's uh, a mask I really remember. And I and then I started to think that it's, it's very cool storytelling. Uh, and I, I, I felt I, I, I had a lot of ideas to do stuff like that myself. One of the best in social media, Dave Gunnarsson and Dave Art, he puts out those boxes. And I always wonder, what's in those boxes as he's about to ship the mass out? So I asked you guys, uh, your favorite fiberglass paint job. And this is more of a connection to our next guest that we'll hear from in uh, Greg Harrison. But uh, who is your favorite uh, from, the, from the 60s, 70s, uh, early 80s? Uh, and, and Grant Fuhr had a bunch of them by the way as i was going yeah. through like he he's probably had more paint jobs and masks than anybody in the history of the sport uh so many different formations but uh let's start with you hutch your favorite fiberglass um gotta go off the board just a little bit i think as much as i love so many of those uh when i was a youngster growing up uh just outside of toronto had no interest in the vancouver canucks or knowledge of them but right then uh, Kurt Ridley's mask, which was sort of the crossed Canucks logo, uh, struck a chord with me. The boldness of it, and yet the simplicity of it. I think the color combination, which obviously just goes with the classic Canucks colors, struck me at the time. And uh, that has always been my favorite. So uh, as much as there's so many other great ones, and, and I love you know the, the Graton one, of course, for its detail and so many others, but I always just keep coming back. Uh, to that one, and then just with sort of a, an honorable mention to Ken Dryden, I've told it a million times, he's the guy for me when I was growing up, and 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 that first painted, uh, really the only paint job he had in the NHL, um, re really struck me as well. So there you go. How about you? I was uh, a Flyers fan as a kid, and two of them, one, I always wanted a Bernie Perrant one, which is strange because there was only the three stickers Beyond on Beyond simple. Yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But, but I always wanted a Bernie Perrant one. But I do have a replica of Wayne Stevenson's mask, which is unbelievable. Oh, yeah, the orange I love one it. with the... With the flyer logos yeah. and the wings uh, flying off both sides. Yeah. And that's... Uh, I have three fiberglass masks. Uh, Ken Dryden replica, uh, a John Garrett replica, my buddy there. And I nice. have Wayne Stevenson's mask. And Wayne Stevenson, I, I wasn't uh, Great one. A, a fan of Wayne Stevenson's per se, but that mask is just... Uh, that, that jumps out at me. What about you there, youngster? There's so many, and actually, I was gonna. I was actually with Hutch. There's something about that Ridley mask. I was gonna cite that, but I guess I can't pick the same one. So, you know, the other one that I like was Bunny LaRocks, which we've we've actually reproduced yes. for the for the Bunny Trophy. Jim Rutherford with the Detroit Red Wings as the eyebrows was one, one that really I liked. Um, and then, you know, if I were to, if I was going for a favorite, I think 
it would have been Dryden, but again, Hutch stole it. Deservedly so. I, you got to go cheaper. Stole it. I'm a leader, man. Yeah, okay. He is the leader um, in the clubhouse. Cheevers, the original. It's not even painted, yeah. but just the one that started it all um, would would be Cheevers. And, and you know, funny enough, this is what led to these conversations, right, Darren? We talked about Halloween right. and, and masks. And as much as Cheevers was the first to sort of make it a part of his identity with the felt pens, the one that actually was the first paint job to tie this back to Halloween, which is when people will be listening to this episode, was Doug Favell. And they just painted it orange on the day of a game because of the Flyers and Halloween. <laughs> just, and it was, there was no artwork to it. It was just painted it orange. Just painted it orange. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Nobody said Palmatier. Uh, John Davidson had a great one uh, in, in the late 70s. Uh, had an outstanding yeah. mask. Uh, Bromley, uh, you guys mentioned, with the, uh, with the bones. Uh, Rogi Vashon. Uh, L.A. Kings. I'm trying to run down the list. I was, I was just, go- I was just going to say that for me, that's sort of the most disappointing paint job. Really? Because I loved, I well, just because I loved the white mask and that smiley face standing out. And soon as it went dark with the L.A. Kings, it, it, it was just different. It was gone. I, that was such a disappointing day for me. What about the? Sorry, Rogie. What about the snake, the Simmons mask? Yes. Yes. That that was Solid. again. That was also Greg Harrison. It was based off a like off a Hot Wheels car. Evidently, the design, the snake was off some type of Hot Wheels car. Uh, you're a Sira. I love that mask too, and uh, that was uh, one that just I've always had an affinity for. Uh, Sira had some some neat gear too, uh, but now player agent. But uh, that's uh, there's a whole bunch there, and uh, artwork that was simpler yet complicated at times seem to be more straight lines or i don't know uh, boldness something that you could uh to relate to but uh there is then it got really really intricate with the with the graton that we uh we discussed but uh greg harrison uh was the uh the forefront of of the paint jobs and the and the mask design and uh really uh at, at a time was was really the the guy that uh that supplied most goaltenders in the national hockey league and, and in professional sports uh with their with their masks and he says this, the scary theme when we talk about Halloween or intimidating artwork was really not influenced by Halloween, but a byproduct more of the athlete's story. Here's Greg Harrison chatting with Woody. So I guess the question is, is there a link? Like, do you see any type of natural link, whether it's scary masks over the years or some of the different themes? We you know obviously Halloween, the movie series and goalie masks. Like. Is there some type of intrinsic tie between Halloween and this time of year and goalie masks? No, I could I could say yes, that can be bullshitting, but no, not really. I mean, the the masks that sort of go with with that theme are, you know, like Greta's mask with the with the lions motif on it, and uh, Gary Bromley's with the skull. The, the mask I did for uh, fellow Jerry Giuliani uh, that was the, the goalie in uh, Youngblood wearing the skull mask. Skordanskis as well. I mean, they're all, they're all sort of along that line. Uh, I get a kick out of uh, everyone referring to the Jason mask as 
as the Jason mask. Most people don't recognize or even know that it basically was a store-bought top mask. You know, the early version of the store-bought top mask, that's what it was. And they just kind of marked it up and, and uh, distressed it to make it look more sinister. But that's what it was. They actually, when they were doing the movie uh, Freddy versus Jason, uh, the movie company doing it called me and wanted to know if I could make replicas of the plant mask. And I said yes, and I gave them a price and then never heard from them again. Because <laughs> there's none, there was none available anymore. When the original movie was done, there would have been ones available. And then eventually they, they just adapted it and, and changed it. Uh, I mean, the other... I'm trying to think if there was any other uh, Halloween themed ones that I did because I didn't. I didn't think that way then. Right. It was. It had to do with the player. It had to do with uh, the city or something I was interested in. Like could, that, I could tie into the mask, but always in keeping with you know something that was tasteful, which I cannot say is around now. You know. When you got zombies on masks and this kind of stuff, it just to me, it's it shouldn't be, anyways. But I'm I'm out of dealing with the NHL, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. What What do you remember? And obviously, like, there's different stories, and 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 like I said, I, I appreciate actually you sharing the the story about the the plant store bought mask for Jason because I wasn't aware either, right? And that's part of you know why I wanted to reach out to sort of get the right story and the real stories on some of these ties uh, and tie-ins between mass and Halloween. And what the other one was, there's so many different stories about, you know, that sort of that first paint job and Favel and the orange and the flyers and the, and I know that wasn't you, that was more a trainer, but like, what do you remember about that being an, do you remember it being an impetus at all for guys starting to paint masks or is it more about Cheevers and marking his up that really started the trend? I, I think, um, the mask uh, that Doug wore was a Higgins mask in Philadelphia. Right. And as far as I know, Frank Lewis painted it, and it was he was the equipment trainer there. Right. And uh, it was done as a more of a Halloween prank, I think, initially, uh, painting it orange because Travell's head and I, you would have seen it in in the mask that I made for him in Toronto. The second one, especially with the giant maple leaf on it, uh, his head looked like a pumpkin. Like it was, it was very round. There wasn't uh, like the shape of his head was round. Uh, the the jawline just lent itself to that kind of pumpkin idea. And 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 then they they got sick of doing that. And Bobby Taylor actually his his Higgins mask was I believe painted first with the white, with the black kind of triangles on it. And then to they did the, and, I, and again, all of this, I assume, I'm pretty sure it was, it was Frank Lewis, because I know I, I spoke to him. That same orange and that starburst mask became his first leaf mask. And Frank Lewis told me that he literally sprayed the mask white and then went to a maple tree in the front of his house and grab the biggest maple leaf you could find and put it on the on the forehead with the stem 
going down onto the nose and traced it out. Basically, that's how that, that design came about. Oh, that's funny. I, I changed it, you know, when he came to Toronto. I did one bigger mask and then a three-quarter mask with the giant maple leaf. But my maple leaves were both right on the front. Like, they, they took up the whole mask. So there, um, I was just going to say, there you go. Like, even even though it's... um. Like you said, it would be BS to say that the, the, the evolution was tied to Halloween, that, that first one for Favelle or that first orange paint job, as much as, as it may have just been a joke or a hoax, you know, definitely has ties to October 31st. Yeah. What, um, some of your more famous, like the, the scary theme, like I know with Bromley, um, with the, with the skull, as intimidating and scary as it looked, it was more just a play on his nickname Bones because he was so skinny. Was yeah, because he was so skinny. On, on the back plate, I, I did the word bone. It's done like, like you'd take and, and made a font basically using bones. Right. As, as the basis for it. Most people don't see that back piece. Right now, I've never That's, seen that. Yeah, it's written across the top, bone. Anytime you can uh, call somebody Pumpkinhead, I, I, I'm in around, around Halloween. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's like you get a free pass on, on that one. Hey, uh, Woody, I know mm-hmm. that uh, there's there's part of your your discussion, and uh, for brevity, uh, that's never been used in this podcast, but for uh, just time purposes, uh, it wasn't in there. But the Bob and Doug McKenzie, I, I didn't realize that he did all that. The, yeah, I didn't know he did. He, uh, yeah, and we're going to have this. People can check this out uh, at ingolmag.com on the premium site. We're going to add the rest of the conversation because, like you said, we've got so much content on the podcast today that we had to cut off, Greg. But yeah. Greg Harrison, for those of us old enough to have watched Strange Brew um, and remember the black versus white sort of synthesizer music hockey game that was played in the yeah. brewery during that, Greg Harrison. Mind control. Did, yeah, mind control. And all the all of the players, of course, were wearing helmets, like goalie style helmets, but built into full helmets. And then almost like Stormtrooper, and I apologize to Greg if that's not a fair description, but like Stormtrooper type, you know, equipment. Yeah full body equipment he designed it all and he tells that told that story to me we didn't have time to get in in the podcast but we're going to make sure we roll it out as part of a bigger piece at angle sort of looking at the history of mass he's got so many ties um the freddie versus jason series they approached him about redoing the mask for jason it's i mean it's halloween it's it's november 1st right in the first mask worn on november 1st falls this week jacques plant 1959 and there you go tie the two together the Jason mask, according to Greg, was 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 one of the early store bought um, jock plot masks. So it all comes together, whether we want to be scary or not, whether he wants to admit the theme is real or not. Um, there's <laughs> definitely some links between Halloween and scariness and goalie masks. They just kind of fit together. We talked about our favorite form fitting masks, the one uh, without the cage, and we should mention that uh, if you did have cages uh tony esposito and mike liot uh don bopre uh, as well uh dave dryden uh oh dave dryden he wore one as well uh what about uh, the mask combo the more traditional one that we that we see uh right now and that uh, we all wear when we go out uh, your favorite paint job and um, we'll start with woody on this one uh when it comes to the current model of mask don't don't steal mine woody i don't I think I will. I got to be honest with you on this I one. I think you will. Um, 
it's hard. There's so many good ones over the years, and I'm going to miss some. Like like Felix Pot then became iconic, and that was originally a Harris. And I like those masks that sort of had that identity. Um, but I'm going to go. And he took with, it. And he took it to all his teams, right? That's what I loved about the the mm-hmm. right or. Or, or as, as Greg told me for another article, a big feature I wrote in 2014, like Eddie, we, we think of Eddie Belfour as Eddie the Eagle. Well, he wasn't Eddie the Eagle before Harrison put the, the eagle on the mask with the Blackhawks. And again, it continued because he became Eddie the Eagle. He wore that theme mask throughout the rest of his career as, as much as changing the theme from team to team. So yeah, those type of iconic masks um, have a place in my heart. That's when I was young growing up and watching those goalies play. Marty Turco with the gargoyles, but I got to be honest there. It, it's sort of stealing Hutch's answer from the first one. Alex Ald's Ken Dryden tribute mask. I'm pretty sure that was a Dave art creation is one of the best modern masks I've ever seen. And we have it up at Ingle mag premium uh, where Alex walks us through it. Um, the ability to take from a distance, it looks like a Dryden mask, but when you get close there's images within the Dryden um, target of like Patrick Waugh, Jacques Plant lifting the mask all bloodied. Like all those iconic images are built into the underlay of it. To me, it's one of the best masks of all time. It doesn't get enough credit. I'm biased because Alex is a friend, but that thing, that's my favorite. Did I steal it? So did he steal it? Oh, he, he went two for two. He went two for two. I, I was going to, for sure, I was going to say Podvan. Um, I've still got the old pot van coho pads in, in, in the house here. Uh, loved him as a goaltender and, uh, and I love the look. And as you guys mentioned already, the, the fact that he carried it from team to team was huge. Uh, so if we could go with a, uh, similar goaltender, I grew up watching a little bit who also had his own look. I, I'll go with Cujo, um, that original Cujo look with the Leafs and how, how he was able to blend his own look with some team symbolism and so on. I thought that was a little bit of a, you know, a, uh, yeah, a bit of leadership in that in in that look as well. I think Frank Cipra was the guy behind that um that design, and uh, and for sure Aldi was the the one I was going to pull out because it tied back to Dryden. Um, and it's got that that simplicity to it. Um, gosh, I don't know if I can replace it with something that's a little bit more modern. I'm gonna gonna need a little time now that Woody's taken taken my Aldi. I'll throw Revenge. a couple at you. Uh, Andy Moog yeah. and his Boston mask was. Yes. Awesome yeah. with the with the bear, and Bob Senza with the Winnipeg Jets, and that was a Greg Harrison uh, piece of work, and it was outstanding with the with the the planes uh, on on the forehead and the and the two sides. I have a, a replica paint job of that one as well, which one of my pride and joys, and uh, that one that one sticks sticks with me. His complete setup with the Jets was was outstanding, but there's there's two from a from a bygone era. Yeah, my sorry, my other one I, I had in the back of my mind I was going to pull out, guys, was uh, Ron Tugnut mm. had the the paint splatter that yeah, uh, which that Cujo ca- that he Cujo used well. a little bit too in Edmonton. Uh, that was uh, that was a popular theme uh, for a yeah, while. The, was... the paint splatter, and you see it every mm-hmm. now and then. Uh, it it resurfaces uh, with the paint splatter, and so yeah, that's uh, interesting. Marty Berdur, like one of the simplest of, and and never really wavered from that just the the new jersey logo yeah fantastic fantastic look fantastic look i always always wanted there's just so many there's so i mean when guys are getting multiple masks a season it's uh it's hard to keep up and and all the artists that that we see today are just so talented it's incredible do you um 
do you wish people would stick with one theme or do you do you like all the the different changes uh that that are so you unique but but total 180s uh from mask to mask with with the different athletes yeah i'm 100% about the guy who can keep the same theme i think it's uh you know but a mask being about an individual's personality and how it's so tied to the personality when it's just something different every year uh you know i mean a, a guy who's mentioned in the in uh in our I, I don't think it actually made the cut for the podcast but we talked to uh kevin talked to gunnerson about uh, henrik lundquist and Ooh, you know, that would be a look that was yeah yeah so you know that was a look that was very team team centered city centered and yet he made it his own and and so that might be a bit of an exception to an individual look and yeah, we got a little scoop on the side that I don't think made the cut for the podcast. So what do you want to, anything in there? Well, I, I think it's probably, it was a safe to assume scoop, but uh, when we called him and had and had our yeah. chat with uh, with Dave, he mentioned that he was working on Hendrick's new mask for the Washington Capitals that day. He'd already been working on it. And so I think we can, mm-hmm. uh, we, can we can confirm the assumption that the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> that iconic logo he created using the Statue of Liberty sort of frame and the and the king crown, um, will no longer be a part of Henrik Lund- Lundqvist's mask with the Washington Capitals, but uh, he has more than a few uh, prominent monuments and structures to work his way through um, now that he's in Washington. So I would expect that maybe one of those might appear. I didn't get any sneak peeks, but I can confirm. Can confirm. Breaking news that Henrik Lundqvist will not have the Statue of Liberty on his mask with the Washington Capitals. Hey guys, you know course, what we forgot? Iconic mask. Mike Richter. That's another one. But yes, changing from team to team. I I I should have left you the Alex Ald mask catch. How about Patrick Laleem with Marvin the Martian? Mm. Oh, how good yes. was that? That thing was. Didn't matter what team he was on. That thing was awesome. And again, you associated it with him. You're right, and it uh, and it was able to transfer uh, through. It's tough to take the Statue of Liberty to to anywhere else. That, that one's a that one, that one's a difficult one. Johan Hedberg and the Moose. That mm, was one of them. Man. That's that's the mask that sort of started it all. Not started at all, but really made Dave Gunnarsson brought Dave Art to a more prominent place on this side of the pond. He was already big in Sweden, but that mask with the Manitoba Moose, and then he goes on the run. With the Pittsburgh Penguins still wearing the Moose Mask from Manitoba, they're, they people are wearing like cardboard cutout antlers during the playoff run that they handed out for the playoffs in the stands, and then you everywhere know that doesn't happen they, today. No, everywhere like, that Johan went, the Moose was there. It was a but, part but of all his masks. He would, rode an orca here in Vancouver. It was a moose riding a freaking orca, but you had to have the moose. You don't wear a mask from a different team a- anymore. You have your backup mask that's that's whiter, and you wear that, or they put this. The uh, the mask wrap on or something yep. like that, and uh, like Jack Campbell and uh, did this year, and like wow, like that that whole head brick thing never would happen today because you would just uh, you would you would have it uh, if you do need a mask. Uh, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports story, would be a good place to check out. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a little conversation uh, coming up with uh, with Cam from the Hockey Shop, or as we call it, Goalie Utopia, about the new Bauer Ultrasonic Chest Protector. I definitely suggest everyone listen to it. It's quite a unique piece, and I really like what they've done there. Um, but in the meantime, if you're not if you're looking for an older chest protector, they're on sale. Um, all the new stuff. We're in that time of year. It is weird the way COVID has changed sort of these windows for new gear, old gear. 
what it's created is more sort of gear that's in between. And a lot of it is on sale right now at thehockeyshop.com. If you go check them out, pretty much the entire premier line. Uh, and we're going to talk about the new Axis chest protector next week in our gear segment with Cam. Uh, but the entire premier line right now, one of my favorite chest protectors of all time, the pants, the pads, if you're someone that happens to have liked that model, is all on sale right now. I think we're talking like up to 40% off already. Keep your eye out for some of their Black Friday specials uh, that they'll start to tease here in the coming weeks. But right now, just make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com. Um, and if you can, in person at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey, because they've got a lot of items in the clearance rack right now and an opportunity to save some money uh, ahead of next season's launch of new equipment in the spring. They've been uh, with us uh, from uh, our very first episode, a great partner, The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, Source for Sports Surrey. And this week, we are pleased to announce a brand new partnership with Sense Arena. And uh, let's uh, just tell people, everybody, about this relationship and how it uh, came to be and what uh, it's all about. Well, I'm going to let Hutch speak to the product itself because he, he's had a chance to test it. But I think I, I just wanted to sort of reiterate, like we're pleased to have them on as a, as a partner. They're going to be presenting our feature interview for, for the next little while. And in this case, Antoine Bebo this week. Um, but I want people to know that like when we bring on a partner, it's not just, hey, look, we can have an advertising partnership. That's not how we operate. We actually weren't even considering engaging in anything until we had a chance to try the product because it's easy to be skeptical Skeptical when you hear about things like virtual reality. Come on, can it really feel like I'm playing goal? Uh, but they sent you us don't one. sound skeptical at all. No, exactly. I mean, me skeptical, me negative. <laughs> Come on, I'm the skeptic. Truth is, um, but they blew us away <laughs> with the product. And I reached out to Bill Ranford, had a long conversation about how he's using it. Uh, he's part of their team now, but he's also using it with the LA Kings and multiple sets. Uh, reached out to Bebo by text before we had the interview. Reached out to some other guys that are using it by text and, and you know, got honest opinions on this thing. And once we realized how legit it was, and once Hutch got it on, once his son Matthew got it on, um, we felt comfortable uh, and were excited that, that they're going to be a partner with us here on the podcast as a presenting sponsor of the feature interview. And I think excited enough, Hutch, that we felt like we really needed to bring Bob on to sort of walk us through how this came to be. Because, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think, like, how do you go from, yeah, we got virtual reality to I am going to play goal without stepping on the ice. And they really have achieved that. Amazing. Uh, SenseArena.com is the website. It's a VR simulator, virtual reality. And it uh, if just in case you want to check it out as you listen to the podcast and Google it and and walk along with us. But uh, Hutch, explain to us exactly what we're talking about. Oh gosh! So you take something that goes well beyond anything we can see on a computer screen or on a TV, and now we have to sort of reduce it to a podcast to explain it. It's almost impossible. It's uh, uh, virtual reality goaltending. I am the skeptic in the crowd for sure. Uh, we've had lots of companies reach out with products. And you don't hear about them on here because, you know, they sort of don't get that end goal approved. We're not ready to share with our, our listeners and our readers uh, something that we really don't believe in. And so honestly, I expected to be very underwhelmed by the product and, and I was blown away by how good it was. And yeah, you, you step onto the ice and you feel like you're a goaltender standing on the ice and it's almost disorienting. I mean, you look down and there's the crease and, uh, I had my son hand me the two controllers. You can either use it with or without gloves. 
and I'd already had the headset on and I felt like I was there. And as he handed me the controllers, you know, I reached to grab them, but it's not my hands that I'm reaching for. It's gloves I'm reaching for. And I, I, I literally tried to put my hand into the gloves. Um, it was, it just felt that real as he was handing me these, these two gloves. And then you start making a few saves and the puck is coming at you as you would expect it to. It's releasing from a stick as you would expect it to on the ice. Um, it's more challenging than, than you expect it to be. Um, and, and you, I really believe that, that making, making saves with this pulls out some, some things that you can't get on the ice in the sense that, you know, you stop a shot, you think, well, like I watched the puck, I stopped the shot, I, I achieved what I need to. And then, then this thing gives you feedback saying, well, your puck tracking is only at 88% right now. And really, so you, you know, you try it a couple more times and you dial it in and it gets a little better and a little better. But, but this is, you know, a level of detail beyond kind of just look at the puck. Um, that that makes you feel on the ice that you're doing doing the right thing. I mean, it it really it really can drill down deep and and see what you're doing. So there's some analytics in there about how you're working. There's some some real difficulty on the ice. I mean, yes, there's some sort of simulated uh, computer people that are shooting on you, but then they also have a mode where there's there's video of real professional players, and you feel like those guys are right there in front of you shooting on you. A uh, little bit of deception, drag shots, this sort of stuff. I mean, it uh, is an incredible level of detail, and and I felt like like I was right there. And as I say, uh, in conversation, I may, perhaps even on this one, um, my son, who's a bantam goaltender, um, had tried it quite a bit, and one day in practice, just came up to me. We had not prepped for this at all. He just said, "Oh my gosh, my puck tracking today is unbelievable. It's got to be that." Wow. And uh, so he's so and and. He's feeling a transition from what's happening uh, in this virtual reality world to what he's doing on the ice. That opportunity to train with something away from the rink that's not just juggling or some other sort of drill to work your hand-eye, but but a chance to really, really play a little bit of goal uh, in the comfort of your own home is is incredible. I wish we had it from the beginning of the pandemic, but, uh, but I'm glad we're going to be able to work right. with it going forward. Uh, most excited I've been about our new product in a long time. Uh, you know who would have loved this? Greg Mellon, uh, back in the, uh, in the eighties because uh, no bruises. Uh, he, he would have loved this thing. <laughs> he, Greg might have never practiced ever, ever again, but it's a VR simulator. We'll give you a, a real inside look into it. And, and we're really happy to be, uh, welcoming in sense arena, uh, as our sponsor for our feature interview presenting sponsor for our feature interview. Here's Bob Tativa in a great interview and conversation with David Hutchison. And even though it doesn't sound like it, uh, Woody's in here too. And Bob immediately gained our full support. And uh, we are big fans of his based on a couple of just little shots back and forth with Woody. Here is uh, Bob Tativa from Sense Arena, a new partner with InGoal Magazine, InGoal Radio, the podcast. Here we are today uh, online with Bob Tativa from Sense Arena. Uh, if we hadn't introduced you to begin this, Bob, we could probably do a whole interview and tell our, our listeners that we were interviewing Dominic Hasek today and we could get away with it <laughs> because you, uh, you're you based in the Czech Republic right now and uh, love your accent, Bob, but uh, we're, we're here to talk about Sense Arena and, and could you maybe just... Um, First off, just give us an overview. Uh, we, we've had the pleasure of, of working with it, but uh, give us an overview of uh, where the concept came from and, and where it's at today. 
Well, it's um, well, it's my pleasure being on 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 this famous podcast. So first of all, uh, thank you guys for bringing me in. Thank you for calling it famous. Yeah, it's always my pleasure seeing both of you, your smiley faces. And uh, then if Kevin allow me to step in and talk a little bit, uh, then uh, I'll be absolutely pleased. <laughs> well played, well played, Bob. <laughs> okay, well, um, all right. So Sensarina, just, just for um, our listeners, Kevin has spit his coffee all over his desk right now. He enjoyed that so much. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Bob, over to you. Uh, well, now after after this beginning, um, let me let me catch my my thoughts. Um, so, Sensorina, uh, we are a virtual reality training platform. That um, you know, the, the, when I started with this, which is some three and a half years ago, the the initial idea, which which is still there, and we are you know step by step uh, fulfilling the. Uh, the vision is uh, that um, I strongly believe that the next step in the athletic training is not actually, you know, doing more uh, squats and, and push-ups, uh, but uh, work on your brain. Uh, so brain training is is what we call sensorina, and it uh, translates into, you know, if uh, you know, for goalies, obviously, it's it's about um, your ability to read the release, uh, be clever, facing screens, uh, work on your box control, on your skills that are not that physical, meaning skating or, um, uh, you know, some some kind of uh, um, endurance and uh, uh, stuff like that. For players, because we have a version for players as well, it's uh, it's very, you know, easy to, to explain because it's about read and reading the game and then reacting. Uh, making those fast, rapid decisions, um, and this is what we do. So we use virtual reality because we put your in um, in a, on the ice in a big arena. Uh, in the players' version, you hold your hockey stick, so you feel like you know really playing hockey. And what you see around you is um, is are the boards, is is the environment. There are other players, your buddies, or or the D's. That um, uh, do the drills with you uh, in the goalie version. Uh, it's obviously you in the crease, and then we have two environments. One is uh, again kind of like computerized um, uh, players that uh, uh, do some specific uh, um, drills. Obviously, shoot, pass, and uh, and block, and and do that stuff. And then we have uh, another environment where we were shooting real players. Uh, so we have videos of real players uh, specifically uh, releasing uh, the shots. And then uh, out of the video, uh, we actually mask the puck and uh, we replace it with the virtual puck that uh, comes to you and you do the, do the save. So you read the, the release and then obviously you have to uh, make the save. So this this is what we do. Um, and I guess for the big thing, that's enough, though. No? Yeah, that's a lot. And, and I have to say, as somebody who's never tried virtual reality before, it was, it was almost unsettling. Uh, you know, I put the headset on and, and my son handed me the two controllers, but I already had the headset on. And I felt, I, I felt myself reaching for them. But then, of course, there's two gloves in front of me, not two controllers, because I'm experiencing what they're representing. And I tried to slip my hands into the gloves. It was... It was uh, quite unlike anything I, I expected. And then when I started to use it, I found myself making moves that I, that I would attempt to make on the ice, is all I can claim. 
uh, you know, going down into the reverse VH and kicking out with my feet in my old school toe up way. Um, very, very much more realistic than I think I expected it to be. Um, so it really feels like this is a technology that's starting to come of age. I don't think we could have done this five years ago, could we? Like, wh- where are we today and where are we going? Well, it's, um, you know, this is what I love because uh, um, when we started, the the whole virtual reality technology was still at the beginning of, uh, well, you know, it started 1960, but with some kind of fancy trials. But um, really, some three, four years ago, uh, the technology sort of matured in, uh, in something that, that, that was usable uh, by the public. Uh, but in fact, you know, we we are developing our software and hardware, and the the, the big uh, companies such as um, Facebook and uh, HTC and uh, Sony they work on the underlying uh, core technology of the helmets, uh, the tracking and stuff like that. And we we principally run in parallel. So the more they advance with their core technology, we then use it onto our platform uh, where we try to develop. Um, you know the the athletic part of that, um, so that uh, it's not not another game. It's not a not a video game for somebody to be to have fun. But uh, we replicate the the, the physics, uh, and we do as much uh, to have a real um, immersive experience, so that uh, you can really use it for training, not not just for fun. But obviously, it, it's fun just like on on the ice. It's a whole lot of fun. I'm curious, um, your background, Bob, in terms of whether there was any goaltending in it, whether you're a hockey guy, what brought you to this sport, what made goaltending fit this model so well, and some of the other guys you've worked with that have sort of, if there's been any gaps that they've helped bridge. I know, talked to Brian Decord, and he just raved about uh, the work you've done there. Uh, Billy Ranford as well, and a couple of the goalies, uh, the pro goalies that you've had use it. And to bring it home and have a connection here, I think is Merrick Schwartz, one-time Vancouver Giant, right here in my backyard. Is he one of the goalies that does a lot of the testing for you? Well, this is always um, always a funny that uh, um, I'm not a hockey guy, um, so I, I used to play basketball professionally a couple of years here in Europe. Um, and you know, my family. I grew up in a family where my dad was at uh, at two Olympics back in the '60s playing basketball. Um, and, um, you know, I was following hockey as my second sport, uh, as a hobby, uh, player and, um, you know, as, as the holder of, uh, of a season, uh, ticket to, uh, one of the local teams here. Um, but obviously, you know, two sports could not go together. Um, but then my son, when, uh, he started his, um, um, uh, you know, at the age of six, he started to skate. Um, and and so on. So uh, I got uh, more involved in in the local hockey, and because of my technology background, I was always you know uh, developing new products uh, for um, in in uh, in a telecommunication environment and in, in banking, which was about uh, really you know advanced technologies for mobile banking back back in the um, 1998 2000, really at the beginning of of all of that. So I. Um, by uh, uh, my soul, I'm I'm kind of like a developer, and you know the two things like my passion for sport and my technology uh, roots um, 
uh, absolutely, you know, clicked together here. So that uh, um, because I love sport and because I love technology, uh, when I see there is an opportunity to merge those things together. Um, and it was really at the, you know, at the three and a half years ago, my, and I always say this story that uh, my biggest fear at the beginning was that um, I'm going to be, you know, second, third or fifth to the market with something like this. So uh, when I first uh, landed in the U.S. Uh, uh, doing a demo for the USA Hockey uh, guys, um, uh, yeah, I was always checking, you know, like, have you seen anything like this? Do you know that uh, there's some um, some other party uh, producing um, or working on on a, a product like 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 that? Um, and and they they almost like you know they they went like you know what are you asking? We have never seen anything like this. So. Uh, so the the momentum changed into not having a fear that I'm second, third, or fifth to the market, to a fear that I'm actually you know two years um, ahead of um, you know um, uh, the others, uh, and we were wherever we we landed, um, people came being curious what's gonna what's gonna be this. This is this is something that cannot work. Um, and then they they were absolutely shocked, like you know, wow, that unbelievable! Re- really, you can do this, and they experience because you know, put the to put the helmet on is very very different from uh, you know seeing videos um, on YouTube. Um, so so really really different um, different experience. Uh, so you have to put the helmet on, uh, and then you see uh, suddenly a new world of opportunities that uh, this brings. So we were like missionaries uh, running around, spreading the um, the vision, uh, showing the product. And obviously, at the beginning, at the beginning, it wasn't perfect. So uh, we did a um, number of mistakes, and uh, uh, perhaps sometimes we were too early to. Uh, like I remember, three years ago, we we visited the, the Red Wings uh, thanks to um, an invitation from a friend of us, uh, Yuri Fisher. Uh, and that the product wasn't that good at that time, um, so we kind of uh, uh, did a wrong um, uh, or, or passed the wrong message that uh, this is something that is more for you know kids playing um, and enjoying uh, instead of you know being a serious training tool. So, uh, uh, but uh, you know you you make mistakes as you go, and you have to learn from them. So we we did. And um, here we go. You know, we have uh, now, as you said, uh, Mark Schwartz is one of uh, our uh, our um, uh, advisors for the Goldie product. We have Brian Dacord, uh, the uh, special uh, assistant to the GM at uh, the Coyotes. Nowadays, Bill Renford, the Goldie coach for the for the Kings, helping us. And we have more than um, you know a dozen uh, professional NHL. Uh, star goalies re- uh, u- really using the the goalie product now. Only three months after we launched that, so um, uh, finally we have um, we have found the, the right product as well as the technology matured and um, everything clicked together. Today, it's um, you know it focuses mostly on on the gloves. I think it's fair to say, and uh, and tracking the puck, of course, and reading the play and the releases. Um, what's next? You seem to have a fairly quick development cycle. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about that development cycle, and then w- what do you see coming in the next year? Uh, there are um, there are um, two two state avenues. Uh, one is to improve uh, the technology of the product. So uh, we are heavily working on R and D, how to make uh, the pets involved in in the whole um, system more than just you know your your hands and your your head. Uh, so that's real uh, R and D on our side. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, that um, I want to move uh, more towards uh, raw use uh, of that. So uh, we would like to involve uh, uh, like the real game situations. Uh, like let me give you an example. So if you if you're gonna be facing uh, a team uh, two days from now, uh, you can put the helmet on and you can play um, all sorts of scenarios of their power play uh, or how they solve rushes and, and things like that and kind of memorize for yourself what you're going to be facing in uh, in two days. Um, uh, so to, to move, you know, from just skills training uh, to um, more pre-game um, rehearsal, uh, warm-up and tactical or system um, uh, learning. So I was going to say, we've already heard some really good feedback. I had a conversation with Bill Ranford last week. I mean, the LA Kings have obviously invested uh, in, you know, a couple sets, uh, multiple sets for their goalies. Um, Jacob Ingham has it with him in Germany and really likes uh, the tracking and the hands and, you know, the ability to sort of use it as a warm up and training tool in that regard. Um, Hutch talked about the hands is is one of the next pieces that you do you work on developing something so as goalies we always try and put our torso in front of the puck because you know you can miss with the glove you can't miss with the chest the puck doesn't go through your chest like is that one of the next things um in terms of the development i like you mentioned you're always looking for new and continuing to develop is is the ability to sort of make chest saves will that be be part of the next phase that is the That's a good question because uh, we have the chest protector built in um, already from the beginning, um, so that you can you can effectively make saves uh, uh, by your chest protector. the The only thing is that uh, it's invisible, so um, you, you you actually you don't see your your body, but but it's there. So when the when the puck uh, goes in the center of of the of the net, then it's blocked by your body what we will be uh, releasing is actually uh, the visualization of your body which we didn't want to do uh, kind of um, unprofessional uh, because we are we are really really um, cautious about uh, uh, not sliding into um, a game um, uh, tool so we want to do everything professional uh, just as you know having uh, the stick uh, tracking uh included which is going to be in the in the next release in uh, in two three weeks uh we have already uh, uh tested everything so uh as soon as you have the controllers attached to um your gloves then uh you can switch on um uh, your stick tracking you use your stick and you will see that stick in the environment you can make saves but obviously the, the most important is, is, is the bait as well as the position of the of the hands that uh, should reflect, you know, the real the reality. The reality. Um, and the chest protector 
will be visualized as well. So um, finally, you will feel like you know that you are really covering majority of the of the map uh, just as normal. I think one thing that's important for us to to make clear here is because we're talking about the future. What's next? What's next? Is what's there is fantastic, and uh, and I think it's it's because it's so good that we're what's next like can we have more um that, that that ability to feel like you're in that immersive environment is incredible and i think one of the things that stood out for me uh in our initial testing uh what was the tracking um the way that it that it encouraged you to focus on your tracking of a puck i think we all sometimes think that we're tracking and we catch a puck we deflect a puck with our blocker oh, i guess we were successful uh, and, and then now, now we can get some analytics ba- from your system. Sorry, um, your tracking actually wasn't very good, and and it encourages, uh, almost forces this new focus that that wasn't there before. So, um, so, just absolutely love that part. Talk to us a little bit about the analytics and and what the measures are that the system is giving you after a series of saves. Well, this this is the beauty of the technology that. Um you can uh, imagine the VR uh, room being as a, as a digital cage. Uh, so every everything what what you do can be uh, can be measured. Um, you know, as as long as it is physical, uh, and and there is some um, you know mathematical formula to calculate that you can measure. The other the other beauty is that. Um, uh, if if you were to do uh, some kind of uh, measurement on on the ice uh, in the real environment, uh, the the measures would be always spoiled by the fact that uh, you know this is you use this shooter on Monday and the other shooter on Tuesday, and perhaps the uh, the light and the the ice is not not equal and things like that. Here in in the VR, uh, you have you know, real apple to apple comparison when you do like uh, our tool has a diagnostic module. Uh, and when you put the goalie in the, in the diagnostic module, uh, the, the, the drills and the intelligence of the artificial players there is the same. If you do this in Toronto, in Boston, in Vancouver, in Prague or in Helsinki. So you have really apple to apple comparison of, of the goalies. The only uh, thing that uh, uh, differs or is different is their performance. Uh, and what, so what we measure, um, it's you know many, many uh, different touch points, but uh, it's, uh, you mentioned puck tracking. Uh, the, the other things are, um, you know, how you square, um, you know, like the angles uh, during the, the, the play, obviously of your safe percentage, your reaction time, uh, how you track the play, so that you predict what's going to be happening and things like that. And obviously, we, you know, every every goalie has a profile at Sensorina. So when you log in, all the data are then allocated, attributed to, to you. Um, so it's not mixed up with somebody who comes after you and, and trains. So then you can do benchmarks with the, with the other goalies. We have ranking of the goalies. Uh, we obviously know, um, or you you declare, you know, I'm U16, I'm pro goalie. Uh, the uh, the difficulty level, the speeds, then will adopt to the level of of your uh, practice, as well as uh, we distinguish, you know, the size of the goalie and stuff like that, so that you know the chest protector, the gloves, everything then fits um, to uh, your personal needs. 
what's the feedback like from your your top sort of pro testers in terms of uh you know the comparison to the vr system and then what's happening when they're stepping on the ice uh yeah well it's um i, I don't want to you know like speak uh, uh uh too much glory about us but uh <laughs> the thing that i love is um uh, at the end of the day, like the, the goalies here in, in Czech, they use it uh, pre-practice. So they, they do, uh, instead of, you know, like working with the balls and stuff like that, they, they put sensorina on before they go uh, to practice. Um, obviously, the, the the quality of the screens um, is, is not real life, you know, so it's a little bit harder to read the releases and, and all of that. So would they, would they keep telling me, like, you, that they really love having a hard time uh during the warm-up pre-practice in sensorina because when they then go on ice and and face the real shots of the of, of, of the real players suddenly it's you know kind of like slow-mo for them and they they have you know 100 percent clarity of everything so um they they intentionally put themselves in a in a harder conditions at the beginning uh just to warm up the brain warm up um, all their um, uh, um you know the sight and, and all, all their senses uh, and then they feel much better when they get on ice so this is this is one of the examples what I'm getting as a as a feedback from the and this is actually from, from pro goalies here yeah and and we found similar sort of things in in our initial work with it not intentionally saying you're going to step on the ice now tell me how that compared to it was really just anecdotally uh, coming over to me in the middle of the practice and saying, "I I can't believe how well I'm tracking today. It's got to be it's got to be that training we were doing." So, um, yeah, great stuff, Kevin. Same feedback we're getting, you know, like you said, um, from some of the pro clients too, Bob. Um, you know, talking to quick exchange some texts with Anton Bebo, who we're going to have on the show this episode, but talk to him after we talk to you. But you know, that's the same thing he said, and hearing from Billy, same thing with his goalies. They just feel like after they use it, they get on the ice and all their tracking is just amplified and they're locked in. So it sounds like that's a pretty universal experience. Exactly. And I mean, we're talking about some specific uses here. Uh, it would seem to me that that um, some specific training programs would would be a, a nice fit with this. So instead of I just want to do warm up drill number one, you you might actually have something dictated to you by the system is what's right for you. But this, is, this is just coming now in the in the uh, next release. As I said, uh, two three uh, weeks from now. I don't know when you're going to be on air with this episode, but uh, uh, latest in the middle of uh, November, uh, we will be releasing an, up, an update, which is automatically av- available to everybody who is already with us and and for the new customers, of course, and that will have the first three training plans um, inside. And that's the, just the start of, uh, say, a platform of training plans that we want to evolve. All the all the um, the sessions are designed by uh, credible coaches. Uh, the first one is from uh, Bill Renford, from Mark Schwartz, and from uh, one one more pro, uh, uh, former pro goalie here in Czech, who, who is now uh, a goalie coach at uh, uh, the BK, Mladá um, Boleslav. Uh, and we have already a training plan done by Maria Mountain, who you know for sure. 
um, Brian Dacourt uh, well, promised me yesterday that he will really devote some some time in his busy schedule to do one for us as well. Um, and it's it's going to go like this. And I I actually uh, this is another vision that I have that um, I want to uh, move uh, this even further, uh, having a, a platform that uh, will connect uh, goalies and coaches in um, like in real time. So uh, um, you know it's all digital. So so you can you you can imagine that um, you as a goalie coach uh, can sit home and actually see on your laptop um, your your buddy or your guy uh, practicing in the VR. You will see what he sees as well as you will see how he physically acts, and you can talk to him. Um, so it's kind of um, you know a, a, a way to have a virtual training, uh, not physically side by side, but uh, over the air at the same time, um, bringing the expertise of uh, goalies that are, you know, it can be in the Czech Republic, can be in Canada, in the US to goalies that uh, are perhaps in, in not that hockey developed countries or, you know, in places that are somewhere in, in the middle of nowhere, but still you, you can have an access to uh, uh, absolutely class uh, coaching i could see that giving a, a real opportunity to also give feedback to coaches just from athletes may, may, maybe not a session together because that's not always easy but just here johnny here's the work we need you to do this week and then i assume the coach would then get an email and here's what he's done and here's how it's gone yeah well you know the, the one thing we haven't talked about is maybe just tell us a little bit about about the you know as we step out of the hockey arena there's also some some neurovisual training what's i'm getting the wrong word there but but a number of sort of non-hockey training programs built into the system yeah cognitive uh cognitive drills or yeah that you can work on your cognitive skills um uh which are universal to any sport uh and that's something that's you know hardwired then in your in your brain so we have these we have a set of uh, drills uh, in both of the platforms for players as well as goalies that have been developed uh, together with uh, with uh, um, uh, professors from the Charles University here in Prague um, and uh, those are things you know uh, besides the obvious uh, such as your reaction uh, uh, speed um, there are things like proprioception um, things like uh, peripheral vision uh, your your decision making, reacting to uh, different stimuli uh, and stuff like that. It's it's a little bit uh, harder to actually explain this to you know hockey dads and hockey moms and the the ordinary people because they they don't see the immediate value in uh, translation of the you know if I do this for for a, a week uh, will I score you know twice as many goals or you know how it's going to translate so. It's uh, uh, you have to keep working on on these. Like you should not expect that if you do you know hundred push-ups um, uh, a week, you, you're gonna be uh, much better in in uh, in a month time. Uh, it takes time, and this is exactly the same if you train the brain. It, it takes time. Uh, uh, you need consistency. Uh, sometimes it's uh, it's fun because uh, it's part of the game. Um, when you have to make decisions, uh, and sometimes it's just you know working on your cognitive skills, and um, uh, which you know it's not that that much fun, 
but uh, you will benefit out of that um, big time. I can tell you they're fun because there's a competitive element to them. As soon as you get that ranking where I fit, um, there might be somebody in the house who kept trying and trying and trying until he could get top to the top of one of the leaderboards. And that's yeah. all that mattered to him. So it's uh, we're faking <laughs> them into training, I think. Absolutely. Well, Bob, that's um, I think that's a fantastic in- introduction for, for everybody. And at a time when so many young goaltenders need some other options for training away from the rink. I mean, we, we, we know there's a large set of goaltenders that are, are just looking to do more and become better. Uh, but we also unfortunately have a, a large group that aren't even able to get on the ice right now. And, and it is, uh, I can tell you from my personal use, a very powerful tool, uh, to be able to use to improve your goaltending. And, uh, thank you for the, for the work you're doing, for sharing it with us a little bit today. And we look forward to seeing what's coming in the future releases. I uh, just love that it's always something new coming down the pipe. Thank you, David, and thank you, Kevin, bringing me in. And um, yeah, well, I, I can promise that we 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 keep working every day to make the product better and better. Um, so uh, what you see um, on the market from us right now uh, will be something that you will laugh about in a, in a year horizon. So uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's been always like that. If I look back two years ago, how our product looked at that time, and I was proud of that at that time. But if I compare it now, I always stretch my head and say, "Oh my God, how where I got you know the guts to actually show this to customers <laughs> because that was that was not really good." But um, this is this is how how it works. So um, my promise that we we keep working. Well, thanks, Bob. Uh, you know the work you've done already is incredible. Uh, virtual reality training for goaltenders. Uh, it is here today, and it is doing some incredible stuff already. And uh, we're looking forward to continuing to work with it. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. We've been going back and forth uh, after this uh, conversation was recorded and uh, discussing the benefits of, of using VR and the simulator. And I just... With people that are injured, and I know Antoine Bebo is coming up, uh, our feature interview this week, but if if you've got a groin injury or or you're battling something, you can still, with this product, keep up to date and keep your reflexes and your your senses sharp, Hutch. Yeah, absolutely. I I think back to um I think back to some studies I've seen where visualization training is used and people find an improvement even without actually going going out there and and shooting hoops uh weight training was one uh that blew me away how just simple visualization can maintain muscle mass during during an injury recovery now i think that you're actually doing it you're not just you're not just imagining it but you're experiencing that whole that whole thing with this vr i think the ability to keep your your skills sharp is is unbelievable you know the other piece that didn't come up there for me was um you know this this indoor sort of plastic ice that you can have in your home if you can set up a rink at home for a couple thousand bucks um i've never really been sold on that as an investment or much less being able to have the space because you can't do a lot more than crease movement drills uh save for setting up a, a a really expensive place where guys can shoot on you um and and it's not the same crease movement experience as good as it is uh, but I can imagine combining the two now 
and sort of actually going through the movements uh, on your indoor ice, but receiving sort of virtual shots. Um, I'm excited about maybe trying that one day. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's got a whole lot of applications. It's uh, and and a whole whole lot of room to grow all at the same time. So it's exciting. Yeah, and that that on ice we're seeing we've seen that uh, we've seen goalies in Europe try that um, through some of the videos from Sensorino. Right now, I would say that in talking to Bill Ranford, like this is definitely. Uh, a development tool for goaltenders. They really, it, as you heard Bob talk about this, this isn't a video game. That's not what they're after. It's a development tool for goaltenders. He felt like the best applications right now were for tracking in the hands uh, and that that transition of making saves on the ice, um, you know, is something that that he hasn't used it for yet, but we are seeing others use it. And if And he was talking about the same thing. You can set up that environment. It's definitely something that's possible. Because right now, especially if you are able to skate and move on that synthetic ice like you would in a game, because right now, say, for example, a long pass, you're moving your body with your feet in a way you wouldn't on the ice. You're not necessarily T-pushing or shuffling. You're sort of you're moving like you would almost as a ball hockey goaltender. So that's, for example, something where Billy wouldn't want his guys using like a pass from point down to the far dot. But for sure, passes, say, low to high, simple passes into shots. Like those movements, he actually feels translates really well in the hands and the way you're able to keep them active and make saves. Now, when you've got an NHL goalie coach using this actively with his goalies in his organization, that's a pretty good sign that this is more, a lot more than just a video game. Sensearena.com. And there's another aspect uh, to this that, uh, that I absolutely love. One is the consistency, which Bob alluded to. Uh, day after day, you're, you're getting the same type of, uh, test in Stockholm as you would in Brandon, as you would in Hawaii, that kind of thing. So you can, you can really, as a coach, uh, from, from distance, uh, train and engage things. And, uh, the other part of it, uh, that, that you really dive deep in is just the ability to keep your mind sharp, uh, at a, at a whim. If you've got 10 minutes, do it. If you've got 20 minutes, do it. If you're between lunch and, and, and supper, you, you go and do it. And I, and I'd say to add to that, the opportunity for a little bit of what, what I would call sort of overclocking or overspeed training, um, you know, how great is it when a young goaltender goes to a camp or, or gets an opportunity to AP and they're playing against guys, you know, two, three, four, five years older than them. Uh, and then they come back to their own practice and now everything seems to have slowed down. And now you've got the opportunity to do that. You can, as Bob mentions in the interview, you've got that opportunity to face pro-level shots on the, on the VR simulator. And then now your your eyes are all warmed up. You can head out for practice and, and everything slows down. I'm excited about the future. Like the scouting, when Bob talked about scouting an opponent uh, that you're going to play yeah. the next, I imagine in college or uh, where you were playing the same opponent uh, in back-to-back games in, in a weekend set. Wow. Like what you could do, what you could implement there. There's, uh, we're we're really excited, and uh, and uh, the stamp of approval for Sensorena, Sensorena.com, this virtual virtual reality simulator. Bob Tatiba, uh, we uh, welcome them on board, and looking forward to this partnership uh, that goes along with uh, the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, and Source for Sports Surrey. The gear segment uh, dealing with uh, upper body protection, uh, the chest protector from the Bauer Ultrasonic uh, line, Woody. Well, I mean, uh, I'm gonna like I'm gonna let Cam take it away here because this is something that is quite unique. Um, it's they've they've 
rebuilt the arms. I think we've started to associate Bauer with innovation, with the work they've done with the pads. We've talked about the ultrasonic pads and the Stabila slide knee that's locked in, uh, the Odin series with Hendrik Lundqvist and the active rebounds. I would consider this ultrasonic chest protector, you know, another one of those evolution slash revolutions for Bauer in terms of trying to go outside the box in the way they design the arms, some of the added features and tabs and adjustment things that they've they've put on this chest protector that I hadn't seen anywhere else at any other point. Uh, we love innovation at Ingle, and I'm going to let Cam take it away and explain all the innovation behind this new Bauer ultra, ultrasonic, Bauer ultrasonic chest protector. It's our gear segment brought to you by Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, or as we like to call it, Goalie Utopia, because you have to die to go to heaven and you don't have to die to come here. And as you can see, surrounded by all this goalie goodness, as well as Cam Matwiv, uh, you've heard the voice on the In Goal Radio podcast. Uh, we are simulcasting today, so you're going to hear the voice on the In Goal Radio podcast, but you're also going to get to see the video. We've been promising that for a couple of weeks. We were playing around behind the scenes with all the camera angles. I think we've got it figured out. We're going to make Cam actually wear, wear the gear now as he talks about it. So Cam, today, ultrasonic, new chest and arms, some unique new features uh, in terms of the arms. Walk me through this chest protector, what's new, what's different, what works, uh, and what the feedback has been from customers. Yeah, so obviously all new for uh, 2020, Bowers ultrasonic unit, which I'm currently wearing. Um, one of the things to call out right away, because it's probably a focal point for the chest, will be the arms themselves in particular. Um, Bauer's uh, gone away from what we consider a traditional arm and kind of pushed the envelope forward a little bit more. There's, there's no distinct elbow, ca elbow floater, cap, or yeah, whatever way you want to kind of word it, it's now more of like a sleeve, if anything. Um, a design that's, you know, you can see elements of other chests that are on the wall, in particular, probably calling out the Warrior in particular. Um, just for some of the similarities, but the arms are quite a bit different. Well, the, it, it compares to the Warrior in my mind in that they've gone a completely different direction from a traditional elbow floater. Correct, correct. Yeah, you, you see it more of like a hinged design. So when you get in closer, tight to the chest a little bit more, you can see how the entire actual, what we'll call the bicep plate, shifts up when you flex the arm. What this does is great the chest great mobility right out of the box. Especially um, while wearing it currently right now, like I can have freedom to move around. I don't feel like I'm being hindered with a lot of the chest that kind of bulk up, especially in the arms. Um, it's very easy, mobile right out of the box. So if I were to go over here, and we'll just, you know, because you didn't bring your own coffee. Borrow yours for the day? Yeah, so if I hand you a cup of coffee, yeah, there's probably some in there, careful. No, no problem, just, yeah. the, just the grinds. Just the grinds for you. <laughs> But you, but no problem. Like, yeah, like it, this is something that we can sit casually and have a conversation. And you're going to get a little hotter than I am sitting here. But yes, yes, wearing a sweater was a was a poor mistake on my part. But that said, I, I feel easy. I feel move. I feel relaxed. It's comfortable. Um, and you know, if there were pucks, I feel protected. Uh, one of the biggest things that they have done, they've included still their Curve X composite inside the arms. So they're still providing that great protection. Um, Curve X composite. Slow down. Say it again. Curve composite curve x is uh, ex that is not quite the proper pronounce okay so they put the curve composite correct in in the arm pieces 
So you maintain the mobility and you're adding with the curved composite, what, a layer of protection, impact yes. absorption? Impact absorption and also that protection by maintaining a lightweight for the chest itself. Okay, one thing we saw when the Warrior was introduced was fitting the arms became very important because of the mechanical arms. Uh, is it similar here? Like when you're fitting people in this, is it any different than you would fit another chest protector? Are the arms a priority over say, the, the chest piece itself? A, a little bit, but the nice thing that Bauer's done, they've added that ease, um, especially in terms of for fitting in-store. So what Bauer's done is that they've actually added a drawstring attachment um, on the upper shoulder piece in particular. So you can adjust the where, how the arm, the it length... This is about two inches of leeway to bring it up or down, for example. Um, easy adjustment, you're just pulling the drawstring, set it, and forget it, basically. Okay. Um, the focal point is the arms just because they're so different. What about, what are some of the other elements of this chest protector that say somebody who is coming from the 2S Pro model uh, might notice similarities and differences? Yeah, we don't want to gloss over, you know, and miss some of the other key features that this chest has added. It's still taking that same supreme body shape. The shape is there, yes. yeah. Yeah, which is familiar, which is going to be great for those guys coming out of some of those older supreme chests. But again, they've added a lot of improved features for it. Um, starting from the bottom and working our way up, in particular, suspender clips. So these bungee straps right here can clip right into your pants. So those bungee, it's a couple of bungee clips that are fixed just below the bottom of the shoulder floater wing, and right. that will actually attach right into your pants. So yeah, you can ditch the suspenders completely and just actually put these right into the suspender, suspender clips on your pants already, and you're good. You're set. Um, actually, and multiple adjustment pieces for where you actually want to lace in your chest too. Yeah, it looks like there's, there's in terms yeah, of the tie down, there's four different places you can put it. Now, like that upper one, there's an upper one just below the chest plate. Uh, is anybody wearing their pants that high? Like, I mean, you're kind of like, I'm thinking somebody maybe in their 80s or 90s still playing goal. You know, we tend to like to hike our pants up as you get old like me. Yeah, if you want to have them up by your, you know, armpits, but that's that's your call. Probably your style, Probably I would think, yeah. <laughs> What are some of the other features? Adjustability, I noticed on the back as well. That Yeah, exactly. Same adjustability, but actually continuing moving up the heart plate in particular, or chest plate, we'll call it. Um, the integration of their pour-on foam, their impact-absorbing foam, which we have called out in a couple of their other pieces of equipment, most recently the mask. Um, great for especially those body shots, helping to absorb and not having that impact transfer all the way through into your body. Um, solid shoulder floaters themselves. This features their shock light slash curve material. Again, form of composite to, to allow that rigidity and also uh, level of protection. Um, as you called out on the back, we've got three adjustments in terms of for how the back clips up um, in particular. Um, ease of getting, you know, your tight fit. Uh, I have the chest fairly snugged up right now, but it doesn't feel like it's choking me off anywhere or anything like that. As we said before we started filming, as I helped him clip it up, it might be time to mix in a salad for Cam, but uh, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> <laughs> that said, one last feature that uh, I really like, and it's become a bit of a theme on the wall, suspenders. You can actually, again, so saying you don't use the bungees at the top, but you're still looking for a place to pop your suspenders. On the shoulder floaters themselves, there's two adjustment areas where they're held on by Velcro. Basically, you can hold your suspenders down, attached to the shoulder floaters in particular. If you have a quick look, you can see it there. They un unzip, put your suspenders on, pop it back on, centers the suspenders on top of those shoulder floaters to help keep the chest down and square for you. A couple of bungee clips up over the shoulder floaters. Is that similarly designed for, like, what's the thought process there? So, Besides being really good for holding a microphone. Yes, yes, it also works great for this current application. But uh, that said, depending on how your look and presentation you're looking for in the net, some guys really like their chest pulled down a bit more so they can still have that ease and mobility turning their head. 
Um, that will help to aid in that. Personally speaking, I like to put my chest close or my suspenders closer to the neckline. That way I don't lose any of that added coverage. But again, this is one of those personal preference areas. And some guys do like those shoulder floaters pulled down a little bit more and that gives you that option. On the back, you've got a couple different Velcro adjustments in terms of, again, the shoulder floaters and, and how you want them to fit in terms of width, how you want them to be pulled up or, or let body height in particular. Yep. So a lot of adjustability in this unit. It's a chance, I would imagine, for if you've got a young goaltender who's still growing, probably some opportunities there, especially with the arm, the arm length adjustments. Um, to have this unit grow with them a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Something that's definitely not uh, as often found in pro units. They usually fit how they fit right out of the box, but this does offer that level of adjustment to, you know, ideally grow into it a little bit more. Okay, what's been the feedback so far? Um, you're, you're ahead of us, ahead of the curve on us on this one. We haven't actually had a chance, pandemic and all, to get it out on the ice ourselves here at Ingle. So we're leaning heavily on you, what you've heard back from your customers. What's uh, What's been... What do people like? Yeah, initial feedback's been uh, good. Again, the mobility uh, right out of the box has been cited, the ease of movement in the arms in particular. Um, the body unit itself being comfortable yet protective. Um, all quick common feedbacks that we've gotten. Um, beyond that, again, it's still kind of early on for, for uh, like the whole review in particular. But that said, I mean, it's, so far it's been very positive. Okay, perfect. Cam, thank you very much for joining us uh, for this segment of the Ingle Radio Podcast Gear segment. Uh, where can people get you if they need, they got questions about fit, they got questions about sizing, they got questions about what pants these are going to work best with. Uh, where can they get a hold of you if they've got more questions? You can reach me on the phone at 604-589-8299. Make sure you check them out online as well, the Hockey Shop, hockeyshop.com, Hockey Shop Source for Sports here in Surrey, BC. I've got a few pucks here. Uh, for those of you that are sticking around uh, for the video segment, we might have a little test on just uh, how fast Cam moves and uh, how well these things absorb. We also might test my arm. We've all played with upper body gear that just, because you're trying to protect yourself as much as you can, uh, you, you there's that choice between bulking up and making it stiff and, and cumbersome, where you bend your arm and things kind of get in the way, or you sacrifice that protection for flexibility and mobility, and uh, and you're going to take some stingers. So this that that really seems to uh, cover off all the boxes. Imagine that uh, back in the day, Hutch, when you were putting on an, an arm piece and a chest piece separately. Oh my gosh, to have any of today's protection back in the day. I mean, my kids started playing at five and better stuff than I were in university. It's unbelievable. I, I was thinking about that when we were talking sense arena too, because I mean, it's... At this point, it's it's basically the two hands you're working with. And man, that would have been great back in the 70s because you need to catch everything with your hands or block everything with your hands because heaven forbid it hits you in the upper body. Uh, if only I could have had that new Bauer ultrasonic chesty when I was playing. Virtual reality back in the 70s when you had to get up and manually turn the channel on your TV. Just just doesn't <laughs> seem to, to, to go hand in hand or, or arm in arm. But uh, yeah, what uh, what great advances in technology. Great job, Woody. Source for Sports, uh, Surrey, the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, uh, with Ingle Radio, the podcast. And nine, now time for our feature interview. Uh, this is Antoine Bebo, uh, who has uh, just signed a contract with the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, battled injury, didn't play a lot last year. He's a part of the group that is working with Sense Arena as well. There's a whole lot in this conversation and this is a player that uh, was the most outstanding goaltender at a Memorial Cup, uh, was a draft choice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then signed on with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, 
there's a, a lot packed into this young man's life uh, in the world of uh, of hockey, goaltending, and the professional ranks, and including the recovery from injury and how he went about that. Plus, for all those gearheads out there, this is a kind of a refreshing take on it. There's Antoine Bebo, the feature interview of In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Sensorina, sensorina.com. All right, really pleased to welcome to the show Antoine Bebo. Um, Antoine, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, we had never had a chance to meet. We got to talk briefly after a game this year. You were you were playing for Colorado in Vancouver, a wild back and forth affair. You came out with the W. Um, just signed with the Carolina Hurricanes this 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 past weekend. What's what's this been like going through this pause? And what was it like being in the bubble and then coming out and into free agency? Like what what's this been like as a professional athlete to go through all this? It's been pretty crazy, I think, since COVID first started. Um, when it first started, I remember the guys thinking that it might just be for a month, then maybe for two months, and the next thing you know, cancel, they cancel the season. And even right now to this point, we still don't know when the next season is going to start. There's still so, so much uncertainty um, about the whole thing. Uh, so it's been, yeah, it's been really different, even just um, as far as getting ready for next season, working out on the ice. Uh, the guys are still debating. Um, so we've been working out for, for a while now and the guys are debating, should we go all out right now? Should we take a little break? Like there's a lot of things going through our mind. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're just trying to control what we can control and, and get ready for next season as best as we can. And uh, obviously that probably played a role in, we were talking about earlier about free agency and, and it, in the past, there was always that rush for teams to build out their depth chart right away. And it took a while. And as I was saying, you've got a contract with the Carolina Hurricanes right now. Um, there are a lot of your peers that still don't have a deal in place. And it seems to be a lot of wait and see. What was that process like this year compared to past years for you? Uh, it was uh, it was my second time going through a little bit of free agency. Obviously, it was a whole different experience with, with COVID in play and also the fact that I was injured for most of the year last year. Um, I would say the vibe was really slow this year. Everything was slower. Uh, I think teams took their more time in the sense that there's COVID uh, going on. There's also, we don't really know when next season is going to start. So there's a few things going on that made the whole process a bit slower. Uh, on my end, I'm really grateful and excited that I signed with Carolina. I think I'm really excited about the opportunity and just really getting back out there. Like I said, I missed a, I missed a, lot of, a few months last year. And then uh, right now we're all in the same boat, missing a lot of times with COVID, but we're, we're skating uh, a lot and just, just make, doing everything we can to, to make sure whenever it starts, we're all um, ready to go. What's for young goaltenders out there? Cause there are a lot, some, some guys, some kids are able to play right now. Some aren't, some are kind of stuck in the same position. They're in a holding pattern. Maybe they can practice a whole bunch, but they're missing the games. Any advice for them? Like, what is your focus when you do get to get on the ice and get some drills in? As much as you've missed game action, how do you try and maintain that edge? Are there any drills you like or things you like to do that you think might translate, you know, even down to lower levels and for kids that they might want to focus on if they're going through the same thing? I mean, I mean, this is a good time for everyone to work on, on stuff that, that you need to work on that you're not necessarily good at. Uh, personally, I've been trying to work on my skating. Um, 
I think, so we're, we're skating here maybe three times a week. So what we do is one practice will be um, battle drill practice, like high tempo kind of drill. One practice will be solely on uh, skill for players. And for me, it's going to be on uh, goalie drill stuff I want to work on. And then the third one is going to be game situation, just so we can get uh, a little bit of a rhythm and, and, and have a game situation. Uh, other than that, uh, we've been, we talked about it before uh, the interview started. I've been using the sensor arena, so I've been working on my tracking, box control with that um, at home. So that's that's a great tool uh, on a day off or on a day that I don't have a practice. I can use it just before working out and, and, and working on my game on a daily basis, really, without putting any wear and tear on my body. I was going to ask you about that later, but you brought it up. Um, were you surprised you've had it for a couple of months? Like, I think we were, when we first had a chance um, to try it on, didn't know what to expect. Surprised at all by how realistic it felt. Does it feel like you're playing goal when you've got it on? It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you, you, you put it on and, and you, uh, you appeared in, in that basically in an NHL arena and you looked around and it's, it's really like being in, in an NHL arena, it's it's really cool, and then the the just the tracking, everything. It's a it's crazy how realistic it is. Um, I really really enjoy enjoy it, and and there's also so there's there's a part where I can do just some some shots. Uh, it's kind of pylons, just shooting the puck. There's also a part where it's an actual player, so you can read the release, and that's that's crazy how how realistic it is. And then if you um, uh, there's also some reaction drills that you can do um, that that are really good for reaction, not necessarily for tracking or anything like that, but for just for reaction, working on your reaction time. It's it's yeah, it's an awesome tool I think for goalies. It's it's great. And like I said, um, obviously we're skating, and I'm I'm going on the ice a few times a week and then getting some shots. And but this is great because I can use it on a daily basis without putting my body to wear and tear of practice. Uh, really just it, it's good warm up before practice to get your eyes going um so yeah it's i i didn't really know what to expect um and now i'm pleased with with how it turned out yeah no it's uh it's 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 pretty remarkable i'm guessing as a uh, young anton bebo growing up now i was going to ask you who you grew up like who was your guy what how did you get started in goal share share how this passion began for you what first uh, drew you to the position and who was your guy that you looked up to growing up well, growing up, I'm, I'm from Quebec, so obviously Patrick Waugh was the guy winning Stanley Cup with Colorado, so so that played a big part. Um, my mom's uh, cousin played for the Quebec Nordics a little bit, uh, Mario Gosselin. So so in the family, like I and I don't know him well, but just the fact that he played in the NHL for the Quebec Nordics, and but I would say yeah, growing up it would have been Patrick Waugh for sure, played a big part. Okay, so what's that? So, I mean, and you end up in Colorado and playing for the same franchise. Does that have any extra meaning? Does that, did those two things connect for you at all? Obviously, you've been a professional athlete now for a number of years, but to be in the same arena, in the same locker room, wearing the same uniform in an NHL game as the guy that you looked up to and was your boyhood idol, does that, do you think, think about it? It was pretty special. It was, uh, and I remember actually talking to, I think it was Joe Sackett when I got traded and we talked on the phone and I told him about, about the connection and, and I met, I'm so my, my parents were a billet family, uh, in the queue. So we had the chance to billet Patrick, uh, son actually. So I met him, he came to our house when I was a kid, gave me a book, signed a book. So, so it, it was pretty cool. And then 
getting traded to that organization. And, and especially it's, it's when I got the chance to put the Jersey on, um, in Edmonton and in, in, in Vancouver. Uh, yeah, it, it was, it was special for sure. Now let's, let's go through the background a little bit. What was it that drew you to the position that got you started? When did you start playing goal? When did you have your first goalie coach? When did it go from something that was just, Hey, I like this to, Hey, this is something I'm really good at. And I'd like to keep doing. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, I think thinking back, it was when, when we all play goalie in the team. So every kid going that, um, and then I think I played the, the final game of the season and we won the league that year. And I was the goalie in the final. And I think that feeling of just being in that, being the guy. Um, so then I, I decided to try it again the, the, the year after. And then it just went from there. Yeah, I, I love the game. And then um, I remember going to some goalie um, camp in the summer. I think it was uh, Stefan Waite who was the, the goalie coach there. It was in Sherbrooke. Um, so that was my my first goalie camp were in Sherbrooke with him in Quebec. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, thinking back, I, I can't pinpoint on a, on moment that I decided to go. I think the only thing that comes back to me is that, that game that no one wanted to play goalie and I, I I'm going to go and it was the final game and we won. And, and just that feeling of being the guy that, that was in that, that game, I think that's what made it for me. Do you think that's a feeling? Because I've had that answer before, Antoine, from from all kinds of goalies about what it is that drew them and that you're never off the ice. You know, everything's on your shoulders. You're always involved. Do you think that that's at the root of, of what it takes to be a goaltender, the ability to embrace both that pressure but not to not to treat it as pressure, to feel like that's something you want as opposed to thinking of it as a pressure situation. It's obviously something, yeah. It's it's something you gotta embrace. You can't uh like like you said, it's pressure, but you can't see it that way. You gotta you gotta be happy to be the the one having to face all that pressure and being the one that obviously being a goalie, when you win, uh everything's great, you're the guy. When things don't go well, it's the same thing. But <laughs> it's part of the journey and, and it's, yeah, it's something that that feeling of winning a game of being the guy in that is just, yeah, it's something really special that, that I don't think as a player, as a defenseman, you don't, you don't see it's, it's a whole different, different game goalie. Like you said, you're by yourself a little bit. You're in your, you're in your head as, as much as you want to be with the guys, because it's, it's hard. Like you score a goal, you're in your net. You can't celebrate with the guys as much as they do. Uh, they make a good play. They talk on the bench. You're you're in your head a little more, uh, but now it's 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 a special it's a special job. I was I wanted to ask you a little bit about your game and how it's evolved over the years, but maybe we could just go through some of the teams and some of the coaching influences that you've had, and you can you know let me know. I'm guessing you've probably added pieces at each stop. You know, different coach has a different voice, and I know part of the job is managing that, um, not feeling like there's that pressure to sort of try things every coach wants you to do, but you have to find yourself within that. So maybe just starting with Toronto, you get drafted by the Maple Leafs. Um, talk about pressure. You got to absor- you got to embrace that to be a member of that organization. Uh, three years in with the Leafs and the Marlies, I would have had, I'm trying to think of who the goalie coach would have been at the time. Was it Briere by, Steve Briere by then? or Briere, Briere was there. Uh, Rick St. Croix actually, actually, I think was there the first year, if I can correct. Yeah, I think he was there. Briere was there afterwards. Uh, and then in the American League, all three years was Piero Greco, who's right. with uh, New York Islanders now. So he's the guy that I worked uh, the most with. 
How did your game evolve with him over those three years? And and don't forget, you're talking to a goalie specific audience. So if there's little specific things that the normal media interview you wouldn't bother with, fill us in because our goalies want to hear. Yeah, I mean, honestly, his stuff was pretty simple but really efficient. Um, so so the big thing with him was just being square to the puck the whole time. So the guys sometimes hold the puck, whether if they're like a lefty or righty, uh, you don't want to be facing the body. You want to be facing the puck. Uh, that was that was really simple stuff for me, but it, it it's crazy how big of a difference it made when I was doing it right and when I was doing it wrong. Um, so that really, I think all three years I was there, that's really the big thing I, I took from him was just the positioning, the positioning, positioning, uh, working on your angles. I think that that was really his things. Um, I remember doing a drill every practice. We just put two gloves uh, on top of the circle. Guys would come off and go one way or the other. So you got to adjust, 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 and they take a shot. And yeah, it was really just to work on your angles, make sure you're square at all times. And when, and when you are square, doesn't matter how, how small or big, or uh, if, if your depth is good, there's not much holes. Like your, your movements are pretty small to make yourself. You shouldn't have to reach on anything. So it made a big difference for me. And, and like I said, we worked on that daily, every single day. Obviously we worked on other stuff. But the big thing was was working on 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 the angles, on being square to the puck. So it, it and it makes a big difference when when you're dead square. And it's it makes everything easier. Everything kind of feels like it's coming at you when you're there, eh? When you're in position, exactly. Sort of yeah, kind of, yeah. And then you talked about working on your skating during this pause. Like I guess that's the biggest challenge as the game becomes so fast east west. It's how do we stay square as the game moves around us and get to that square spot as fast as we can. Yeah, exactly. The skating actually uh, is something. So in San Jose, I was working with Evgeny Nabokov. And from him, obviously, like a same same thing. He he was great guy, unreal goalie coach. Um, that, That doesn't force anything on you. So So same kind of thing. He looked at my game and, and we worked on stuff that would benefit me. Um, but for him, it was battle, um, your athleticism, just working on your feet. Um, so I think I think skating was more uh, of a thing there. We worked on, on a few skating, skating drills. We'd start the practice with skating skating drills before every practice. And and just, just like goalie is not, you're not always going to be square. Obviously, you're not always going to be in a perfect position. You're going to have to battle. You're going to have to find ways to make to make save. And, and I think that was the thing. We just really, we worked on everything um, from tracking to, to being square to simple movement, but, but working on your skating, making sure your feet are moving at all times. And like I said, you're not always going to be perfect. You're not always going to be pretty or, or square, but at the end of the day, you just got to get the jump done and, and make the saves. And I was going to say that when I, the first year with San Jose, I think you were a Pacific Division All-Star in the American Hockey League that year. But I wanted to rewind quickly before we get to San Jose and Nabby because he's one of our favorites. But that first game in Toronto, to make your NHL debut with the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, I know you didn't win your first start, but you won your second game, got your first W against a team that just won the Stanley Cup, the Tampa Bay Lightning. What's that moment like? What do you remember of that day uh, I know I'm asking you to go back here, but like, do you still remember that day and remember what the emotions were of that moment and how did you manage them? Honestly, I don't know if it's because I was young, younger. I didn't really see it as that that big of a of a day or that big of a night. Um, plus, it wasn't my first time in the NHL. I mean, I probably backed up. 
I don't know how many games, 15 games before having a chance to play. So, and I, so I was on the ice with the guys day in and day out practicing. I felt pretty comfortable even going in my first game. Um, but yeah, the first game felt pretty good. Obviously it was, um, it was a bit of a bummer not, not getting the win. Um, and then, yeah. And then getting the chance to, to play in, uh, in Tampa Bay and winning that game, that was a pretty, pretty crazy feeling as, as good that that feeling was playing my first NHL game in Toronto at home. The feeling of winning the game in Tampa Bay was pretty surreal too. You still got a puck? I do have the puck. Yeah. It's at home. Yeah. They, they sent me the puck. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a special feeling. And then the, so I, I, that's something I remember, but the guy that scored didn't necessarily remember, but, uh, so Kadri scored the game winning goal in overtime in that game. And I had the chance to play with him in Colorado this year. And I remember telling him, I was like, yeah, you scored that, the, the game winning goal. And he didn't necessarily remember, uh, it wasn't his first goal, but, uh, for me, yeah, it was something pretty special just to have the chance to play with him again and, and share it with him. You talked about then moving on to, um, the San Jose Sharks and working with Nabby in their American Hockey League affiliate. Um, battle, was that, you mentioned battle. Were there any other things that you took away from that time? I mean, uh, I've, I've had the pleasure of being on the ice with Nabby a few times and seen some of the drills, the some of the old school drills with the glove moving around. And there's some different things that he does that have some old school elements, but there's always a good takeaway to them. There's a reason that those drills had success for a lot of years. Did you do any stories or any, any drills that you remember that you, the first time you saw it, you thought, what the heck are we doing? But then by the end uh -huh. of it, you're like, Hey, this works. Yeah. I mean, he's uh yeah, he's a special character. He's, he's great to be on the ice with and to be around. Um, uh, the one drill I just remember just on top of my head. So I remember playing with Troy Grossing my first year and one drill we would work on a lot was, um, so basically if the guys would kind of drive the net coming from the top of the circle. So it's kind of like, uh, some goalies would shut down. Some goalies would, 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 um, just play like a mini breakaway kind of thing. Uh, we worked on that a lot. Like, uh, the guys would come down then go across. So you got, you have to follow them. Sometimes you have to seal your post. Uh, so, so it's quick feet. Sometimes you just have to take that little step out. Um, so you can cover. Um, so I just remember on top of my head, that was one of the drill that we do a lot. And then, uh, we worked a lot too on screens, which is great. Um, that might be something that we were struggling at at the moment, but I just remember working a lot on, on, on screens with them. Um, but yeah, like I said, we, we, worked on a lot of things and every drill that we did everything had a purpose and um, his big thing was making us uh, move uh, move the body early on before the practice start just to make sure you feel good uh, and then we would get into some shots and some rhythm any uh on net drives off angle is he th is he teaching any old school poke check tricks or what <laughs> we tried them we tried them but it's a lost i wasn't as confident as he, i wasn't as comfortable as he was to do it but uh yeah i don't remember using it too often in games but in practice sometimes yeah if uh if if we uh felt like it just go for it and he's all about having fun and 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 i think it's what makes him great as as good as a goalie coach he's he's a like i said he's one of the best goalie coach but the fact that he likes to push you. He likes, obviously you've got to work hard when you're on the ice. That's, that's with everybody, but there's, there's a way to work hard, work smart, but also have a lot of fun doing it. And I think that's, that's what he's great at. Okay. So ahead of this season, although it's so weird to say this season, because it feels like it was so long ago, 2019, 20 season, 
traded to Colorado. Yeah. You got another voice, Ryan Bach, I think, in the American Hockey League, and obviously UC Parkilla uh, with the big club up in Colorado, a guy that, again, another guy I've had the pleasure to talk to and really enjoyed those conversations. Um, a guy who's broken new ground for, for European goalie coaches, being the first one to sort of come over and get that opportunity. Two-parter, I guess, what, what, how did the focus change? Were there anything you worked on in particular with him? But, but also, how do you manage this over these years, Antoine? You get different voices. Do you have a coach you work with in the summer, and then you've got these different voices from different organizations? Is that hard sometimes? Because everyone usually has a different opinion on your game. Uh, how do you stay true to yourself? I think you just have to be open-minded. Um, I never dealt with a goalie coach that forces anything on you. Um, I've been lucky enough to have every goalie coach I had. If they see something that that will benefit me, they'll come forward with it. Hey, maybe you try this, you try that. And if I'm not comfortable with it, then we would just move on. Some goalies do um, stuff differently. I, I, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, around the net, VH, RVH. Like there's we're all different. We're all comfortable with different things. And, and all the goalies that I've, all the goalie coaches that I've had and all the goalie partner that I've had, we're all different and no one pushed anything on me, forced anything on me. So I think that made everything easier. And like I said, you just have to be open-minded. Um, but yeah, you see, I remember, so I, I didn't get the chance to work with them so much, obviously with the injuries and the fact that I was out for, for pretty much the whole year. Uh, I got traded after training camp, so I got to Colorado and and worked with Bacher a little bit, but not a whole lot. I played one game, got shut down for a month, then went straight to the NHL for for a week, went back, and that was it. So it was it was really quick. I didn't get the chance to work with them a whole lot. I the one thing I remember with UC was um, just making sure um, that I was out, that I was outside my blue paint, and that my feet were set, not kind of backing out. Uh, sometimes I had that tendency to uh, back out and just move a little bit, drift a little bit. Um, I think his big thing was really, and I, I remember we worked on that. Uh, I was there for a week, maybe. That's all we worked on uh, for me. And it made a big difference, especially in that game against, um, in that game against um, Vancouver. Um, guys would get the puck get out and stop my feet. Everything's set. You're a lot, it's a lot easier to move, to control your, your movements. Um, and that was, uh, that was a thing we worked on and it helps me a lot in that short week. I already made huge strides in my game just by working on that. How tough was that last year? Like to just to go through the injuries and then boom, you're, you're up and then you're just, is it harder mentally? Is it, are you struggling physically? Like trying to play through things? What's the toughest part of going through that? Especially as a pro, um, there's pressure there as a pro. Yeah. I mean, it was tough. Um, it was contract here for me. Uh, I just got traded. So I got hurt in training camp with the Sharks. Um, and then it just kind of got worse when I got to Colorado. Um, the team shot me down for a month. I got shots in my hip, got the MRI. And I could tell the doctor told me, he's like, I'll do shot in your hips. It might help. It might not. If it comes back, obviously the long-term plan is to get surgery. Um, so my hips were, my hips were not actually sore. It was actually my groin. that was killing me big time like at that that last point I would go butterfly and it's like if you stab me with a knife in the groin uh, I couldn't even move so so I got to the point where yeah it was tough it was tough physically after the shots and the month off when I went back up in the NHL I felt amazing I felt great uh, played two games and then the next morning after that game in Vancouver it was already back and I could tell 
And I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to tell anyone, but I, I could tell I knew it was probably coming. Um, so I tried to, I was hoping it would go away. I got sent down and all week I could tell it was kind of getting worse, but I just got stopped for a full month before. So I didn't necessarily want to say anything. Uh, but deep down inside, I knew it was probably going to be surgery. Um, and then, yeah, after surgery, obviously it was a tough decision to make. Um, it's not a decision anyone uh, want to make and there's no good or bad time to get surgery. Obviously with COVID, it turned out that it might be the best year to get the surgery, but, but it was something that, yeah, it was heartbreaking. I was, I just played in the NHL weeks before two weeks before. And I met you for the, like, obviously covering the Canucks talking to you that night, the joy and excitement. Like I remember being so excited by your excitement level that it was contagious as a reporter. You're kind of 20 years, you're a little bitter and whatever. You're just sticking a microphone in front of a guy's face, but that smile right there. I remember seeing that and there was just a, so to hear that you were hiding that and the next morning it came back, that actually kind of hurts to hear that. That's, that had to be really yeah. gut wrenching. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it was heartbreaking. I, like I said, I just played in NHL. Everything was back to normal. Hopefully I felt like I could really uh, make some strides and, and have a good season in general. And yeah, it was heartbreaking. And then, but at the end of the day, you have to see the big picture. I, I couldn't perform to my full potential. Um, I couldn't help. I wasn't helping the team by playing with that, with that injury. Um, so yeah, I decided to go with surgery. Uh, it was a few tougher months, physically, mentally. Uh, um, the guys would go on the road. You stay home. Yeah, it wasn't easy. My fiance was with me. Uh, I was lucky to have her with me. She took care of me and, and just support for um, at home. Just yeah, I was. It was tough. Um, did you have watching it? the guys play? Sorry, I was going to say, did you have, have it done in Denver? Like, was it Philip, Doctor Philip, on the day? I did. I did. No, it wasn't Philip. It was the doctor, Stephanie Mayer for uh, Colorado Avalanche. So, yeah, I got it done in Denver. Uh, both times went great. No issues. And, uh, yeah, the rehab went as good as I could have hoped for. Um, I was kind of ahead of schedule on both hips. Um, everything was going well. But, yeah, it was it was heartbreaking. Just, just, it was tough going to the rink every single day and watching the guys have fun. And as much as you want to have fun with them, it's kind of – it's tough there – you're not necessarily part of anything. They go on the road for two weeks. You're at home by yourself for two weeks and just rehab, work hard in the, in the gym. But so it was the tougher year, but I tried to make the most of it. Um, I tried to work on my mental game, um, even in the gym on some stuff that I wasn't necessarily good at. Um, and then sometimes just, you don't have the chance to watch the game from the stands. Um, on the bench, it's different, but from the stands, it gives you a different view. So, so having the chance to, to look at, at, uh, at the goalies playing the game at the team, just from a different perspective, I think I learned a lot from that. So I was, yeah, like I said, I was just trying to make the, the best of a bad situation. So I'm curious what you, what you saw watching it sort of bird's eye view, right? You're looking down on it from above from the stands a little more watching the game. Yeah, That's where we always watch the game and it looks so easy up there. And the, I know it's not, but it, what, so I'm curious what you took away from that, Antoine. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Sometimes from, from the ice or even from the bench, the bench, the guys are right there. Everyone's like same level. Everything feels so crowded and, and, and different like uh 
let's say there's a power play. There's so many guys at the net and it just feels so crowded. But then when you're up top, you can see the passing lane. You can see the guys are actually not as close as you think. So you get, yeah, it gives you a, a whole different perspective on the whole thing. So it was good. Sometimes it, like, a, like I said, you're always practice every single day. Then you're playing every game or you're on the bench and everything just feels different. So, so taking a step back might've been a good thing. Did you, were you looking at like, as you're watching the game from up there, did you find yourself putting, did you put yourself in the crease? Like you, were you making, sometimes, making yeah, reads? Sometimes, sometimes I, yeah, I, I would make the read or just on the play that, uh, that the guys would make, I would just be thinking what I would have done, uh, what I would have seen, uh, just different things like that. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was, it wasn't easy, but it was, um, yeah, I just tried to make the, the best of that bad situation. Well, it sounds like you, you, I mean, you could have just sat there and moped, but you tried to, like you said, make the best you, you, you were active in what you were doing. You weren't just watching the game. You're actually thinking through situations. That sounds like a pretty optimistic approach to me. You mentioned working on your mental yeah, game yeah. and in the gym. Is there anything you can give us on the mental game as you had this time? You know, any little tidbits for kids? Um, yeah, I mean, mental game. I've been working with a mental resilience coach, uh, Matt Calderoni, for the past few years. Actually, since I got, um, since I signed with San Jose, I've been working with him. Uh, he's been great. I think for me, it was really just to go one day at a time, not overthink the whole thing, but just go and have fun, put a smile on my face, not go to the rink and, and bring bad energy. As, as much as it was painful for me to go through the surgery and, and missing a year in a, in a really important year for me, at the end of the day, you, you're, 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 you're part of a team. You got to be a team player. You got to show up to the ring and you can't bring bad energy. You got you to gotta have some positivity and just do whatever you can to help the guys. I remember uh, watching a game from the stands and sometimes if I would see something in, in Warren's or Mesca's game and I would go tell them and just just talk to them about about stuff and try to make everyone better really um yeah so it was uh yeah it's really about it's not about just yourself it's this you're playing you're part of a team so um yeah I, it, you can't be selfish about it even though it was kind of painful going through it you just got to stay positive when did you uh, when did you manage to get back on the ice was it was i mean i know i've talked to a lot of goalies who have gone through that hip surgery the fact you're skating now so much sounds like everything's gone really well for you um, in terms of yeah. the recovery. Walk me through the timeline and how you're feeling right now. So I'm feeling great. Uh, no issue. I'm moving great. Uh, my skating feels as good as, it, as it's, it's ever been. Um, I was planning on starting skating. I got cleared to skate by the doctor when COVID started. So that week in March, uh, March 12th or whatever it is, I was supposed to start skating with the with the Eagles. Just the first part was just skating with no gear, then for a few weeks, then trying it with gear. So the plan was to start skating in March. And then COVID started. They uh, took the ice out. So then I couldn't skate anymore. Then went home and then everything was shut down. So that that kind of um I, I I couldn't skate right off the bat. But so I would say the first time I skated was in july early july or late june and i had absolutely no pain whatsoever uh, i remember the first practice i did even though i missed a full year basically i came on the ice like i just played last week i had no issue my tracking was great my movement were 
it didn't feel like I missed any time at all, which was really positive. That really brought me my spirit back up a little bit because you don't know how you're going to feel when you go back in as much that I did some visualization and just watching the games and watching some tapes and and working hard in the gym. And you don't know how you're going to feel. Will you be rusty or not? And, And yeah, I felt like I didn't miss any time. I got back out there and and just normal practice, just like uh, like if I played last the week before. So it was really positive. So yeah, I've been skating since then. And then since then, just uh, the first few practice, obviously I was careful, just simple movement, not overstretching on anything. And then if I did, my hip would kind of hurt a little bit. Um, but the more I skated, the better it got. And then it got to a point where right now where I, I'm, so I got cleared by the doctor in July, late July. And since then, yeah, I have no restriction, no pain. I'm moving better than I've moved before. And and yeah, just doing, we could do some breakaway, some two-on-one, some two-on-o. I can do everything. I can stretch. And I'm not, I'm not scared of anything. I'm not scared that it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt or anything. How much, like, are you smiling as you're going through those exercises and not feeling any pain? Because anybody oh, yeah, who's yeah, had a nagging uh, injury. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy to feel, just to feel good out there and, and be with the guys i missed so much time and i've been away from the game for 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 a while and just that that feeling of practicing with the guys of talking to the boys and just i i miss that part a lot so yeah i'm I'm really excited and actually that's just after missing a month early in the season so after i played the opening night i got shut down for a month and then i i went right back up to the nhl and had to play halfway to the game in edmonton i remember the first thing thinking i was like this is so much fun like just having a lot of fun being out there with the guys and just playing a game. I, I remember just telling myself that um, how much fun it was and how much I missed that. And, and sometimes that's the thing too. Injuries is never a good, never a thing that you want to go through, but missing so much time made me realize how much just, it makes you realize how much sometimes you take stuff for granted. Um, how much I missed being a part of a team, having fun with the guys playing the game so yeah uh, i'm hungry to get back out there i'm excited and, and i'm really looking forward for the next season to start hopefully sooner and later last one um I, I and i guess i i wasn't thinking in terms of coming back off the injury i knew you had the injury when i asked you about sense arena but i'm guessing the ability to work on your tracking in your hands without having to go up and down in terms of wear and tear on the hips as good as they feel that's probably like if you'd had this earlier, it probably would have been a good thing too, right? Because th- that's one of yeah, the biggest. That, that that would have been ideal after the surgery. Whenever I could, I could move better a month or two after surgery for sure. It would have been, it would have been huge. Um, yeah, it's great. Like I said, it's a great tool. Uh, you don't put your body through any wear and tear. Um, you can work on your tracking, and yeah, like you said, I, I really think that after the surgery would have been the perfect tool to keep working on my game and to keep my brain active without putting anywhere into my body on my hips. Obviously with the sense arena, you can, if you have synthetic ice, or even if you go on the ice, you can put and then, and then actually go down on a shot on a lower shot, which is probably better feeling, or you, it might be a little easier, but the fact that you can also do it just, just in your living room, without going down, just working on your tracking, on your box control. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm shocked by how realistic the whole thing is. Um, and last one, I promise, uh, gear. I, I didn't ask you if you're a big gear guy, but that's the one thing about new team. 
You get new colors, you get new masks. Who's your painter? You got any ideas? Like, are you a guy that thinks about these things or is it just let somebody else decide or you got any themes? Like, are, you know, everybody's different on this one, but we got a lot of gearheads. Yeah, so I'm, I'm probably the worst guy for gear. I don't know anything. I grew up playing the game, but not focusing on gear. Um, and in, in the queue, I remember my first year, I didn't even pick my gear. Uh, Gets, you know, when I played for for the Olympics, they they actually decided I was playing with um, Bauer that year. I remember they sent me Bauer. I never played with Bauer, Sammy Bauer. Then I got traded to PEI, and I remember they decided it's CCM, and they were just straight white. I didn't pick the color, did nothing. So I've, I've never been a big uh, gear guy. Um, okay, that's fair. But, uh, yeah, my mask, my mask, the same. Uh, so Sylvie Poitras paints my mask. She's out of Quebec. She's yep. been painting my mask. She's amazing. She she still will paint the next mask. And, and she's been, yeah, she's been doing that since I'm 19 years old. Uh, she does an amazing job. And then, uh, yeah, for gear, I decided to switch to Brian's for next season. Um, I tried it the two years ago, really enjoyed it. And then um, whenever um, CCM, the whole switch, and, and then I missed a year. And so I decided, I, th- I thought it was a good time. I, I've been playing with them all summer and, and loved it. So, uh, yeah, I'll make the switch for next season. All right, well, a good friend of ours, Chris Joswiak, will be your pro rep then. I'm sure you've already had a chance to meet Jaws. He's one of the best in the business, so that's awesome. Well, it's okay. Not everybody has to be a gearhead. We can live with that. At least you were honest about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I, 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 I tried to learn. I got better over, over the last few years, I think. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not necessarily uh, a gear nerd. I, I like it. I just never, I don't think I grew up necessarily paying too much attention. I think that was the problem. Some guys grew up and they're just, they, they look at everything and, and I didn't grow up like this. So I didn't, um, I wasn't very good, but I did get better over the last few years for sure. Um, just making some small adjustment on my gear and, and you talk with the guys and you learn some guys go, Hey, I got this set up and you're like, Oh, really? I remember playing with the same setup my first five years in the league. It was like five strap. It would take me forever to put the pads. Like I had like one at the bottom, two, three. Yeah, I think I have five straps and three of them were pretty much useless. But it would just take me forever to put the pads. So I remember when I got to San Jose, I think it was my first or second year, I was talking to the rep. He's like, yeah, let's try this setup. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not very big. That's the other thing with me. I have a hard time switching uh, stuff. I'm comfortable with old stuff chest protector i played with the same one for two years or three years that one time at the end it would just hurt getting the shots in practice but i I was just so comfortable in it i'm not very good with trying new gear um so yeah he he made the switch and since then i'm like geez i wish i did that two years ago it's so much easier putting the pads and the other pad the other straps were just useless being there so yeah (laughs) I'm I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn. That's good. That's good. It's, hey, as long as and if we can help educate too, just let us know. We got lots of articles at ingolmag.com with all the newest, latest, and greatest. Antoine, this has been fantastic. Yeah. Really enjoyed the time. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to uh, to sort of catch us up, catch our audience up, share some of your insights on the position. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've mentioned it a couple of times and just the fact that he, he wasn't really into the gear and like he, people would just like, say, hey, you're going to wear this teams would wear, you're going to wear this. But my favorite part was 
Ah, it took me so long to do up my pads because I had all these straps and, <laughs> and two of them weren't even doing anything. It just, it, it's, it's wild to, to think that a guy can just go out and play at that level and not have any real connection to his gear. It's, it's, it just blows me away. Well, he's learning. He's learning. And he said he's been yeah, trying, yeah. he's trying to get more up to date on it. It's funny though. I'm telling you, Darren, and it's a good thing is, as he said there, a little scoop for you, Antoine Bebo switching to Brian's and uh, Brian's Custom Sports for his his set this upcoming season. Uh, he sent us his first attempt at a design on the customizer and perfect for him because, I, I mean, there's there's a pad that's easy to get in and out of. All those, you know, the Velcro straps, one of the first adopters, the first adopter of Velcro is, as far as a strapping, um, you know, going away from the leather and the metal. How many guys, old school guys that we talk to that are just like, I can't, it, that is literally one of the reasons they make the switch finally is like, I can't believe how much faster I can get dressed. Mm-hmm. Your buddy down there in, in, <laughs> in the NHL. Yeah. Your buddy down there in Vegas is one of like the, the last guys, especially after Connor Hellebuck switched over to, to, to the new strapping uh, in Winnipeg this year with CCM. Your buddy Flower is one of the last guys. But as he told me like a year and a half ago, he's like, at this point, I just like him because I can have my red leather and it's a little bit of a different look and I just want to be unique. You're right. Uh, he does have the, uh, the full strapping, leather strapping compliments. And uh, I'm with you. You, get, you do put those pads on a whole lot faster and you take them off a whole lot. Like two Velcros, boop, boop. Well, it's in, important in COVID times too, right? Because you only get, especially, I mean, right. I, I'm not playing right now, but my beer league, the guy who's filling in for me at beer league tells me he has 15 minutes to get it on and 15 minutes to get it off after the game. I usually need 15 minutes to catch my breath after a game. So foam roller, um, that's 15 minutes for you. Yeah, I'd have to. So now you know what would happen if I was actually playing. I'd be foam rolling in the parking lot for all to see. <laughs> Guarantee you would. The uh, the idea, by the way, the Sense Arena and SenseArena.com, uh, do you use your game stick or do you use your uh, backup stick uh, when you imagine what you're holding in your hand there, Woody? He needs a third stick. He needs a virtual, <laughs> virtual stick. stick. <laughs> I, I would have to say, uh, I'm going to just let the, the insults bounce right off, and I'd have to say that given how realistic Hutch tells me this feels and how much it feels like you're actually in the game, I'm thinking I'm going to need my game stick. Uh the connection to to Sense Arena, though, just being able to to practice Bebo uh, work and and train and recover, like that that that's perfectly. Uh, it it kind of came together at the same time, but wow, well, what what another use for that for that product? Yeah, and just some really good synergy for us. Um, we'll take it. Um, obviously, when I reached out to Antoine right just before he signed with the Carolina Hurricanes, and you heard it in the interview there. Uh, I was covering him in Vancouver when he got that win in the NHL. And there was just, we had a quick conversation after the game and and the joy was palpable. Um, So to hear him talk about the disappointment he went through, finding out just over a week later he needed hip surgery uh, was kind of tough and you can understand how emotional it would be. Um, But when we set up this interview and chatting, uh, it was before we had gone through the process with Sense Arena in terms of bringing them on as a sponsor. So just a nice bit of happy circumstances that here's a guy that's used it. And to be honest, before we started the interview, I said, hey, I saw you've you've been using it. Like I was actually under the impression that he'd only had it for a week or so. So I'm like, if you're not comfortable talking about it yet, just no problem. And he's like, are you kidding? I've had it for, he said he had it for uh, at least a month or maybe two months. And he couldn't, you know, he like, he was eager to have the opportunity to talk about it. So again, that's the type of validation um, that led us to this partnership. And uh, I, I'm, I'm glad it sort of all came together for this episode. 
Well, it's been fun. It's been a record-setting podcast uh, as I look at the the time right now. And uh, when you look at the number of uh, parcels uh, that are in this podcast, Greg Harrison, Dave Gunnerson, uh, Bob Tativa from Sensorina, Cam Matwa from Source for Sports uh, Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. And of course, Antoine Bibo. It's been uh, a lot of fun, a lot packed in here. Uh, trick or treat. The new trick is Sensorina, sensorina.com. And the treat is our continued uh, relationship at Goalie Utopia with Source for Sports Surrey. Uh, thanks for listening. Look forward to chatting with you again next week on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, the hockey shop.com.